you know what you did a few days ago in my opinion. It's super unexciting. We saw you on South Beach drinking $40 margaritas. Mm-hmm. We know that you were living it up. Yeah. Tell us, Ingber, how was Miami? Uh, a good friend of Gronk's never tells what actually happens on Gronk Beach. Sorry, Ingba couldn't come here today. Pat Pat's in the building. Just uh, Pat Pat? No, no. Um, Did you do that accent the entire time? Oh my! People would people would hate it by like six minutes in. It's a funny novelty. You're reading the room. It's wrong. a funny novelty. I don't think anyone Question wants it. Question was, could you do it? Yes, I, yes, of course. Okay. I've had evenings where we've never really gotten drunk together. You and I. We've been no. working together for like seven months, but we've never actually. Yep. There, there really are t- proper shit face. When I get like three or four beers in that first hour, you know, when you're drinking, and I'm just like, you just start, you know, the 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 17 year old yourself just starts coming out, and you're just like, all right, this is who I am tonight. That's funny. <laughs> I could do that all night. I've had people tell me that I get more Philadelphia as I drink. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like you you become because when you're an adult, you don't like. You don't don't go hard as often as you did when you were like in high school. Right. Oh my god, I have a chance to drink, and there's alcohol here, and so and so's older brother bought a, a handle. Yeah, so I got to go hard, and then you just like get transported back to South Shore, Massachusetts, where uh, half my friends had this exact accent, bro. Oh, <laughs> I would like to see that. Do you get an accent as you drink, I Mr. Don't. Brian Westbrook? No, no. I, I rarely drink, though. I feel like when you drink, you get more low-key in the cut. Yes, you're I'm more like more fade quiet, back, like, sit uh, down, just yeah. watching everything, enjoying yeah. it. Less talking, more just observing. Yeah, and I, I'm like Ham City. No, when you get drunk, you like to you start drinking. You like to dance. You want to you want to get on the dance floor. Bust a move. <laughs> that's why the person that's helping us like plan the wedding, she was like, she's like, are you you're gonna need like dancers? I was like, no, we're good. no. I'm gonna be I the dancer. Like, I was because I've always said if the groom and the bride dance a lot, you don't need any help. No, oh, that's true. Because the party follows them. You're yes. your own hype man. And also, the other reason I like dancing at events. When you dance, you don't have to talk to anybody. So true. Because when you're when you're not, you got hey, how are you? But they're dancing. People go, I don't want to bother him. Right. He's dancing. You know what's great? Yeah, exactly. Dance too. You know what's great about dancing at your own wedding is you can do the thirty second dance with some random friend or some. Give you him know, a point. Move yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Do a little twirl. Do a little thing on the dance floor. Boom! All right, I gotta go mingle, and they they completely understand. Yes, oh, I love. Like, it. oh yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go. You got you got stuff to do. It is a Wednesday roundtable here on the Left Coast Show. We are on Facebook. Hey, what's going on? And also we are going to get to the cup, but we're talking about dancing, and there's a few things we need to talk about. Drew Brees has now danced his way to the all-time touchdown leader in NFL history. Where does he rank? Everybody's chiming in. Everybody's getting angry. Saints fans are yelling at me for Drew Brees' takes from 18 months ago. (laughs) Some people aren't dancing in Orlando, and I think they're kind of okay with it. Pro Bowl rosters have been announced. I need to know how Ingber's feeling about his Patriots right now. Mm Uh, a lot of things to get to. Where would you like to start? Let's start. Perfect. I know exactly where I want to start. <laughs> Go. He texted me this morning. Okay. And he goes, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You is the greatest song of all time. Greatest Christmas song of all time is what I said. My apologies. Okay. The greatest Christmas song of all time. And if everyone, if anyone disagrees, I'll punch you in the kidneys. I wow. said you should be ashamed. I'm trying to tell kind of yeah, kind of <laughs> stop trying to make it a little more. Like a punch he in the said, kidney. "I will end you." Yeah, I will agree with you that it is the greatest Christmas song of all time. Okay, I don't think there, I don't think there's a need debate there. 
Can you explain to Brian why this song and that performer is so near and dear to your household? Mm-hmm. Just for perspective, before we start debating why I also hate the song. Okay, well, first of all, just quick background on why it's the number one Christmas song of all time <laughs> is that... <laughs> oh, my God. I was ready for that. That was good. I thought you were getting healthy. It sounded like you're getting worse. You're going in the wrong direction, my friend. Let's say you're uh, Michael Bublé or you're somebody that's doing a Christmas concert, yeah. right? And you have every Christmas song available to you from your Spotify, from the internet, from whatever, and you need to figure out a set list, the correct answer of how do we close this show is all I want for Christmas is you. There's no, you can't. What is second? You can't come back, right? I mean, like, you could do like a really, you could do a really, like a, a, a pared down, slow, soft encore, like have yourself a Merry Little Christmas as like a beautiful way to end things and sort of send people yeah. off with a nice message. But if you want like a banger to get people that's like, they're they're dancing in the aisles and they're just having a good time and they're singing along and I, if you want them doing oh, that stuff. That's the best part. The oh, Christmas banger? Is that what they were looking that's for? That's what it for is. It's the only one. It's the best one. And so it's the number that's one Christmas song. my question though is if, if you're saying it's number one, that means there's a number two and I can't even think of a number two. I'm yeah. telling you right now, I can make a strong argument Ooh. for Silent Night. Beautiful song. Uh, Gorgeous. Holy I mean, you, that's one of the first songs you learn. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful song. You don't it's learn the number all one. I want for Christmas as a young kid. Those reindeer. You don't get that until early on. Later on. Right, I mean, like, you learn how to count to 10 when you're two years old. Doesn't mean that's the most important math. Those are the important numbers. I would Once you know, say without one, you well, got I mean, Without those numbers, <laughs> that's the basis for all arithmetic. Um. Okay. Yeah, I just... What about the old is, school songs? Too, I would though? say this. I would say, though, that that song is how old, would you say? 94 is when uh, All I Want for Christmas came. So it's yeah. now 25 years old. Exactly. And it just hit number one. That's incredible. Number one. What do you mean? It's number one in the chart. Like all the Mariah fans, the lambs, hashtag lamb no. out there. It, what if okay, Mariah wasn't explain, singing it? Now <laughs> explain to him why your family loves Mariah so much. My wife is like the number one Mariah Carey fan. Okay. And ever since we got married, she's been like trying to get me into the Lamely. She even bought me a hashtag Lamely t-shirt. Lamely. Yeah. I had no what, what is that? What does that That's mean? Fans. You know, like the, 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 the Justin Bieber fans are Beliebers, right? So every fan base, the, the Bayhive is for Beyonce. Taylor I Swift you just has had something. To not like Nick I thought it was a Beehive. <laughs> That's part of it. But no, your your wife sings. My wife's a great singer. She's uh, she's a off Broadway like she's a yes. she's in bands. She's yeah, she's and a she's performer. She's the in New number York. one Mariah Carey singer in the Northeast region. She is awesome. Wait, what? Didn't she win something? This is why I asked you before if we could talk about it. Didn't like Mariah see like didn't she get like Oh yeah, so this was uh, I think this is what you're referring to. So my my wife is the biggest Mariah fan and a few years ago when Mariah Carey had the Christmas tree lighting ceremony that she sings her her signature number at every year, it was very very cold and she oh, had yeah. a very bad performance of it. And my wife Emily, she went on YouTube, she took it upon herself to like make a a very like well-reasoned argument of what she thought was happening mm-hmm. from a singer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people would just went on Twitter and said like, Mariah's done. Oh, she, you know, she can't sing anymore. Blah, blah, right. blah. And yeah. Emily as both a singer and a performer and a fan felt the need to go on and say like, here's what I think was happening with her Protect vocal cords. Her. She had Mariah to, alone. she was flying this many miles the, the previous day. And yeah. you know, she's been performing professionally since she's 14 years old and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And it was a really good video and it kind of went viral and then yes. Perez Hilton picked it up. It was like a whole thing. That's and pretty so, cool actually. So now she's like one of the people in the, and there's a world, there's an underbelly of the world, yeah. a Mariah fan. She's they, the they president kinda like, of the Mariah fan. <laughs> yes. she's, she's up there and she should be, so she deserves to be. I say all of this to give the background of how important Mariah is to this family. Yeah. And I could imagine they were at a party and the song came on towards the end, I would look over and they would be looking longingly into each 
each other's eyes and going, I love you. Mm -hmm. That's how meaningful it is to him. And I'm telling you that I think it's under attack by overplay. And I think it's under attack at the other people that don't know any of the lyrics, that are just yelling shit because I, as a human, never get annoyed at content. I get annoyed at people supporting content. Just as long as we agree that the song itself is not choosing how many times it goes played. I'm just worried about it. Because Overplay. I never, I never disliked Lost. Mm. I disliked the people that told me it was the greatest show ever invented. Yep. I didn't dislike anything that's popular. Mm-hmm. I never, I liked Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Mm-hmm. It was the people that fell down all the time that I was like, I can't get down with this. Mm-hmm. I'm worried for your family. And that's why I bring it up. It's a great song. I still have not gotten sick of it through the however many hundreds of times I've heard that over the years. And I. <laughs> I mean, your wife, love does your wife force you to love this song? No, I love it. I, There's I, no spousal pressure here. I played it. I feel like there may be some spouse pressure. I That's just my opinion. At dinner with my daughter, just the two of us. My wife was off at her show. You know, she's uh-huh, in the theater uh-huh. show right now. I was... I was just there in the apartment alone with my daughter and I'm playing that song and you can't help but a little dancing and she starts dancing. She starts banging the spoons oh, and a little oh, drumming. Oh, I'm oh. like, this song is infectious. You can't, she's two years old. She doesn't know who Mariah Carey is. She was loving the song because it's a fucking great tune. Mm. Wow. There it is. That's strong. First 10 minutes of this podcast dedicated to Mariah Carey's wow. Christmas. <laughs> MC, Mariah Carey. I'm never going to look at that song the same. I would not listen to the song now because of that. I'm out. I'm out on the Mariah Carey song. Now, Mariah, oh, man, I just, the opposite effect. You just this is what happens for me. Yeah. when you debate things. You I'm just out. further entrench your own positions. You don't convince <laughs> anyone of anything. I'm I should have just shut up. I'm out on Mariah Carey. I'm so I do sorry, like Brian. That Westbrook came with Silent Night. As <laughs> <it>. Silent <laughs> Night. <laughs> <laughs> nobody puts you in a better mood than Silent Night. If you like, if you like go like caroling, you're not singing Mariah Carey. You're singing Silent Night. Did Nat King Cole have something? Oh, of course, Nat. Until you're ready for your closer when you're caroling, and then you go to All I Want. Yes, that may be it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Mariah. She's she's a good singer. She has a great voice, though. So if she can One make any ever. song, she's not the greatest ever. Now you're, you're gone too far. Now, Nat King Cole kind of destroyed this one, David. He's amazing. Strong. This is, a, as a closer. Strong choice. Grab your significant other. Oh, my God. Hold hold her tight. Gra- oh. That is strong. Oh. That and by is the strong. way, this let is me tell you, this is, this is the finale. It's a beautiful you know, they song. Play, they play Mariah Carey. All that when they're running through the airport, mm-hmm. I gotta get home for Christmas. They play this when you get to the door. Yep. And she looks you in the eye and she goes, My husband's in the other room. Mm-hmm. I'll leave with you right now. Oh. That's, I, didn't that, know, I, didn't I didn't know. know. <laughs> I didn't know that's where we were going. Twist ending. How did that happen? Isn't that how love actually is? Wow. That's one of the, the 87 different love stories. Wow. Sure. I thought that's how wow. all Christmas movies end. <laughs> Either I lost my child or my husband's in the other room. I didn't Please know use flashcards. Wow. I like the idea of some like alien that lands on Earth sees love actually and just assumes that that is indicative of all Christmas <gasps> movies. Like, wow. yeah, yeah, they all have some love fair where hey, they don't speak the same language. Everyone gets what they want for Christmas. Except. For Justin Simmons of the Denver Broncos, who, in my opinion, was snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Wow. All right. Can, let me ask you something. Every year around Pro Bowl, people get up in arms, and I go, none of them accept it anyway. There's literally going to be 70 other players in which get the Pro Bowl nod. We had Andy Dalton in the Pro Bowl one year. Jeff Driscoll is going to make the Pro Bowl team yeah, this like, year. It, it, it's going to get down to the like – yeah. But – I do feel like the most important moment of Pro Bowl is when it's the Wednesday, the Tuesday night practice or the Wednesday meeting and the coach calls everybody around and he goes, 
I'd like to announce the insert amount of players that made it to the Pro Bowl, and there's that moment where everyone's cheering. Right. For the Ravens, it was incredible. Half their it roster. It was 12 people. As it should be. Which right. is unbelievable. But what was it like when the coach would say the Pro Bowl guys, and you made it? And then also what was it like? Because I'm sure there were years you thought you were going to make it. Yeah. But when you were there with Marshall Falk and all the other guys that were in your era, maybe you got left off. What was that like as a player? So as a player, I could never ask this to Sims because he never made a Pro yeah, Bowl. Yeah, yeah, of course not. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Sims. Um, but no. So as a player, on, you, you got to understand what making the Pro Bowl is, right? And so you're getting recognized by your peers, you're getting recognized by the fans and other coaches. So it's one of those things that you're thinking about all the time. And as your play continues to ascend, you're like, of course I'm having a Pro Bowl season. I look at the stats and I say, you know, I'm having a great year, 1,000 yards rushing, 20 touchdowns, whatever it is. And so now you want to celebrate that, get to the Pro Bowl. And so usually right around the beginning of the week, you're thinking game but Pro Bowl. This is what I'm thinking about Pro Bowl. Glad that it's announced early in the week. And so you're thinking it, you're thinking it. For the Eagles back then, the coach called you the night before. Oh. So he would call you, he would have called us Tuesday night like, hey, you weren't a pro bowler, first team pro bowler, you were a second team. And you probably will make it because Tiki Barber right. probably won't even play. So that's cool. But so we never actually did there around the coach. We did it the next day, that morning. So we had a morning meeting and hey, Troy Vince is a pro bowler, Donovan's a pro bowler, and everybody goes crazy. And it's probably the best feeling that you can have. Is it genuine? I think so. Because I've always wondered it's like jealousy. Well, no, it's this is a team sport. Mm -hmm. And and the best players always say, I don't care about awards. And here's an award that comes in like week fifteen. Right. And it is genuine, yeah, though. Okay. It, it's genuine because I for think— For the good teams. I for the imagine. good teams. Now, I mean, you have to believe that in order for me to make the Pro Bowl, some of my offensive right. lines should probably make it, now, too, because I, I don't have Pro anything Bowl, without Was them. the offensive line like, we expect a little bit of— well, it, I, well, the offensive line always expects gifts. Okay. Now, now, they always expect gifts, and one of the most expensive gifts that I gave them, half of them didn't even use. I gave them all Apple vacations, $3,000 worth of vacation. Just go figure it out for yourself. I just gave it to them. And so and you have to pay up front for this. So I paid 15000 bucks, probably more than that, 20000 bucks for everyone to go on vacation. Half of them didn't even use it. What? Yeah. It was that bad. That's a nice vacation, by the way. Damn right it was. And it was an expensive vacation for someone that wasn't making a bunch of money at the time. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. but see, in the social media age, bad gift. Got to be something I could put on Instagram. You have to have. So Donovan like, would like, always Zeke give gave presents. Dallas offensive line like gators. That's it. Like, and then like, I, I know. Westbrook's giving them the opportunity to take a sweet selfie okay. on the beach with the, the toes in the water. All right. People but, don't want that. But they're not going to know that. Because like, look, Cardi B... I'm digging it there. <laughs> Cardi B, married to Offset. Yeah. Offset's birthday. She gave him $500,000 in cash. The next day, I go on Instagram, and I see pictures of Offset at the strip club. Now, is that like, hey, thanks, Cardi B. I don't like getting cash. I don't like, I like thought. Of course. From your spouse? Like, why would my spouse want to give me money? That, that would be crazy. It's kind of like, do you not know me? No, know. no, your spouse gives you money so you can put it in your joint account. I just love that. They That's crazy. They didn't use it. I don't know why I talked about that. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> she took the 500000 out of the joint account, handed you $500,000 in cash. I bet you they have put separate it back. accounts. You think so? Yeah, I think when you're both pulling in that much weight. That's a lot of money. That's an expensive gift. 500000 like, bucks for a birthday? He has been caught cheating on her. So, like, I don't, I don't know. I would keep it separated. 
five hundred thousand dollars is a lot for a birthday. I'm just thinking, like, what? So for anything, actually, other than a home, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> what you said about a gift, right? That it's about the thought. Yeah, and I know that people say that and they don't mean it, right? But I think what would be more meaningful is. $20, if I just handed you $20, give you a $20 Starbucks card, yeah. or gave you something that I really thought about, like I knew that uh, it was, a, it was a, a bottle of booze that you mentioned uh, a while back yes. that you hadn't seen in a while, and I happened to mention find this, this $22 bottle of wine. Yes. That would be so much more meaningful than yes. just a $20. Like, you would rather have that experience. 100%. So what could he have bought for $500,000 that would have been more meaningful than getting $500,000 I know exactly what he could. He could have got a house in a place where he can have strippers at. Like, That's nice. That's thoughtful. Like, trap house. Absolutely. That would have been perfect. Like, or like, how about a, tra- a place like DR? How about a house there? Ooh. Or a house in Costa Rica? Or somewhere exotic, All fun. I, the only thing were, that, and that, again, I would not be upset if somebody gave me $500,000. But if they said I made a donation <laughs> in your name, like the old uh, George Costanza. The human fund. The human fund. Cool. If Enum gave you $500,000 today. I would, I would go, what, why have I been buying Seamless every night? Oh, really? If you had $500,000. Where did this come from? Right, yeah, right, right. I would be like, what else do I not know about you? Yes. <laughs> but then I would not say anything. Because then I would go, we're about to get married. Yes. What am I marrying into? Cash but, money. Yep. Yeah, stop. That's not real, though. That's not, that's, you don't want to think that way. <laughs> Pro Bowl snubs. Was there ever a year that you didn't make it that you thought you were going? Yes, there was. What year? Whatever year was Tiki Barber's last year. Looking um, this up. He made it. My stats were very, very similar. Our team won more games. I might have had more touchdowns and more receiving yards. He might have had more rushing. And it's my belief that he made the Pro Bowl only because he announced early in the season he was retiring. That he was retiring. I think that we're seeing that. And and how did that make you feel? Were you like a second I, alternate, third alternate? I was alternate? a second alternate. I, I was sick because I didn't know. I mean, you never know. You Does never know if change, you get another that chance. Your bonus structure? No, it didn't okay. affect my bonus structure at the time. But you never know if you get another chance. Who knows? You get hurt next year, and that ruins your career. You never yes. make the Pro Bowl again. I agree. I hate when people go. He's young. He's got more opportunity. No, I hate that. Well, the other side to that is, and this is it happens all the time. Sometimes it takes you a year after some of your best seasons to make it to the Pro Bowl. Right. And then you make the Pro Bowl when you shouldn't yes. make the Pro Bowl. And I think we may have some people on that list, Aaron Rodgers being the first. Up. I Let's... Were you going to add something there before we continue? Well, just I think in the NBA they added that legacy spot, right? Yes. So yes. that like, who doesn't want Dirk Nowitzki in the Dwayne All-Star Wade. game, right. Dwayne Wade, right. Kobe when he was in his last year? It's like, maybe the stats have dipped, but it's like, it doesn't even feel like an All-Star game without Kobe, and you know? This, and this is why I have now said for years that I hate that something that we say during it is so dumb. When it comes to something as important as the Hall of Fame, it actually carries it weight. Totally yes. does. He's a 14-time Pro Bowler. That's right. Okay, but those last four years mm-hmm. were because we recognized his name a lot. That stuff or, matters. Or what if, what if? because this happened to Donovan a bunch. He might have been a five, six-time Pro Bowler, but because Brett Favre never wanted to go, he might have been second or third team alternate type of deal. Yes. And let's just say, I don't know, Drew Brees couldn't go for some reason. Now he's a six-time Pro Bowler, literally was never voted to the first team. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and I think that's going to be similar to wide receiver numbers in the Hall of Fame also. Mm-hmm. I don't think 15, 20 years ago people were turning down the Pro Bowl as much. It was an honor. Right. The last 10, 15 years, it's turned into the everyone makes it. So, again, something we don't care about. There's going to be a lot more people with pro bowlers trying to get to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And it's going to look really good. I just don't think it matters. You bring up Aaron Rodgers. I believe that the NFC quarterbacks is the one where there's the most arguments. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. 
I know that we're all caught up in the emotion right now that Drew Brees passed the record. He didn't play six games this year. Mm-hmm. Ding. That's more than a third of the season. Right. We don't allow NBA players to get on if they miss like 25 games. So Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, and I agree with you, Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Exactly. If, but then I go, I'm getting angry about the Pro Bowl. I need to calm down. But in the in the grand scheme of thing, like also if I'm arguing with Stephen A. Smith about Kirk Cousins, and I can say he's a pro bowler this year, it's it, it does impact now too. I just, you're very reasoned. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. I'm just glad that you started with the person you wanted to take off the team because this is Agreed. my pet peeve in sports. And I I totally respect if your teammate didn't make the 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 pro bowl, like Josh Jacobs didn't make it, yes. and a lot of people are saying Josh Certainly Jacobs should have right. Terrific season. Maybe the rookie of the year. But the tweet where you say, can't believe you left off my man Josh Jacobs, needs to also include, here's the guy we're taking off. We're taking off Nick Chubb or whoever. Like, Mark Ingram. That's the, that's Mark Ingram was fantastic this year on the most fantastic. exciting team in the NFL. Absolutely. I saw Kyle Van Noy of your New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like with, a, with a, a gif that was like, I can't believe I didn't make it. And you know what? As an outside linebacker, Von Miller was hurt a little bit, but... Uh, T.J. Watt, Matt Judon, I don't know if I can put him in over any of those guys. And that is why it's an important conversation to have. And look, I'm totally fine with guys sticking up for their teammates. I love that. You should be doing that, right? Like, we all stick up for our friends. It's just that there's not an unlimited amount of space on the Pro Bowl roster just because some guy you're friends with. So I just think the the tweets need to have some sort of, well, well, who would you take off? Well, here's a question for you. Let's say a team, I mean, we know how good the Ravens have been this year, but they're carried by Lamar Jackson. So they're winning, so they get 12 players You're really going to take off Mark Ingram earlier? I would make the argument. For, who if, would you if, put on? If I'm if I'm arguing for Josh Jacobs to be on the roster, he's the guy I would, that you take I would off. certainly I would think also make Derek Henry, for Austin Eckler. Well, you can. I, I don't know. No, no, no. You think so? Well, I, I don't over know. Over Chubb or I think, well, no, no. I, not I over think Chubb. Mark not, Ingram not is sure. the one that you target. Okay, yes, so you Mark would put you put because, Eckler over over. Uh, I don't know that Josh you, Jacobs. If you really look at Eckler's numbers yeah. and you look at that offensive successes when he has the ball versus when Melvin Gordon right and all this and how crappy his offensive line is. And with Mark Ingram, I look at the fact that his own teammate, Gus Edwards, is averaging like eight yards a carry, right. and that whoever touches the ball in that backfield, and you have a Pro Bowl uh, fullback, no. and you have a Pro Bowl guard and tackle, you just start, you, there are arguments to be made, but I would still put Ingram over them, because I think Ingram, what he's meant to that team as a leader, and then also the style in which he runs, I think most defines that team. I, I'm just saying there are arguments, but Ingram is... I mean, you can make arguments that Derrick Henry isn't. I, I would, I, I'll make that argument too. I mean, but here's the other thing: with the Pro Bowl, do you go strictly by numbers? No. Okay. Then you go by team wins. That's part of it. I, I mean, mean all, all these things all come yeah, in, yeah. In, into play. I, I think you can make an argument for a lot of different guys not being on this team. I'll, I'll, I'll make one. I am taking off Keenan Allen mm-hmm. because there's not been one game this year where I've gone, "Wow, Keenan Allen's killing it this year." Like mm-hmm. not one. Right. And I put in Cortland Sutton. Of oh, Denver Broncos. Love Cortland Sutton. Because every time I, like I turn it on, he's either trying to catch patches, passes from Joe Flacco, yep. baby hands Brandon Allen, or Drew Locke, who's never played in the NFL, and they only win these games because it's 50-yard lob balls where he's either drawing pass interference, the number one wide receiver since he's been drafted in drawing pass interference, or making one-handed catches. 
And I just, I think he's in what Westbrook said earlier, which is the, I'm still too young to be recognized group, right. but maybe we'll reward him in the, in the years to well, go you get can't, his time. You can't do what you're doing, though. You can't say, well, he should be in the Pro Bowl because look at all the adversity he has to of go course. through. And this, you can't do that. That's why it's a weird I also weird think thing. he's outperforming Keenan Allen. I, that, I think that's the reason yeah. why he made. I, I just also wonder, listen, I may be on the worst team in the NFL, but I'm good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just though. Devontae Parker was balling. I don't Devontae know if he makes Parker. that cut. I, I, let's just say, if I'm Jameis Winston, I'm like, yo, I haven't played great, and obviously interceptions are an issue, but I balled out this year. He's leading the league in passing. When is the next time that I'm going to ball out again? Hopefully it's every year for him, but yeah. I, I'm putting up numbers. What else you want me to do? I have not seen one person talk about the fact that Drew Brees has missed over a third of the season, and I think it's because the Pro Bowl happened the same week oh, yeah. where we're debating whether or not yeah. he's top 10 of all yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So something like arguing Pro Bowl seems so dumb. I think if you throw in the quarterbacks of the Seahawks, the Packers, and Saints, you know at least one of them will be playing in the Super Bowl, or there's a very good uh, shot of that. So o- almost for sure someone's not going to be able to play. Uh, you, uh, obviously 49ers are yeah. in the mix, but it's it's all, with the the inevitability of someone, ooh, I pulled a hamstring, I'm definitely yes. going to pull the play. You feel like two or three of those guys are going to drop out, and then we will get Dak, do we, we will get Kirk. Do we all agree that Dak and Kirk have been better and more maybe deserving than Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers. The problem with Dak, I don't, I don't know if Dan I think agrees. yards wise, Dak absolutely is there. Being able to carry that team to victories, yeah. that's the issue right there. Kirk, I mean, they, they're winning a bunch of games. Kirk has played really. But, I don't think he's had a. Maybe he's had one bad, run rough game all year. There's a stigma maybe. around Kirk that he can't win the big games. The 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 the, the highlighted premier yeah. games that he can't win it. Yeah, and if like you 2009, and if you thought that Aaron Rodgers could. Then, then you certainly give him the nod. But Drew Brees, you make a great case. He missed a bunch of games. The other one, and I'm and thinking they went of, undefeated. Yes, without him. Like, yeah. Well, how good do we need? Kenny Galladay also deserves to be discussed. As Darren Waller. Receiver. What about Darren him? Waller. Yeah. How much do you? How much stock do you put in that? Because you were just saying how Mark Ingram benefited from a Lamar Jackson-led offense that right. a lot of running backs could have some really juicy numbers running alongside Absolutely. a running threat like him, and then Kirk Cousins. Obviously, Adam Thielen was hurt for a while. Like all these guys have dealt with some amount of injury. So, some guys are in lucky, advantageous situations. Some guys are in unlucky, disadvantageous. Well, Kirk was losing players around him, which made it harder for him. Drew Brees simply wasn't playing. And right, the team was able to still have success. <laughs> Got I thought this was you. I thought this was Kirk Cousins' best year of his career. So. Yeah, he was fantastic. I, I agree with you. I think Earl Thomas got a Pro Bowl nod. Right. I mean, their defense was good. A lot of people, and I'll, I'll trust the people out there that watch a lot more film than I do, that Justin Simmons, sometimes it's important to find teams that are overperforming, and the Denver Broncos, as we've talked a lot, have been that yeah. team. Your man, your fan, your guy. And Justin Simmons, I think, leads the league in pass breakups as four interceptions. Tyron Matthew has been out of his mind out of last, his mind. last month or a month and a half of football. Yes. So, I mean, I mean you, this is a great thing about football that you have these discussions every year. Why didn't this guy make it? Oh, when is he going to make it? When is people going to respect what he's doing? But the, you also got some great players on here. And Marlon Humphrey, is, is he a pro bowler? I think he is. I thought he was really, really good. I I don't know that he makes like, me feel like a shutdown corner pro like bowler. Teron Armstead of the Saints, the tackle got in, and the other tackle, Ryan Ramchek, didn't get in. And, like, 
Ryan Ramchek has played better this year than his teammate, but more people have seen Teron Armstead. The other thing is, is like, remember before the year we were talking about something as innocent as Madden ratings can impact people's Absolutely. Mindset? Especially for something like offensive linemen. Absolutely. Because people are not going to subscribe to PFF. No. They're not going to go to football outsiders and see which unit is performing best in terms of offensive line DVOA. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to Madden and they're going to go, oh, Every year when I do a, a fantasy draft or a franchise draft, Teron Armstead's a 98. He's the best. Saints are good. I'm putting him in. Absolutely. Tyron Smith? I mean, he missed a bunch of games. Yes. It's, it's been my my thought that the Dallas offensive line has been in a decline all season long, that they've struggled all year blocking the first level, getting up to the second level, and he's been injured a bunch too. I, I mean, again, some of these guys get a little – nudge because they've been there before. You just expect them to be there. I I think Smith is probably one of those guys. It's interesting. I get upset at the NFL 100 when they let Bill Belichick nominate Dutch Walker. (laughs) 1927. Really, you know what? I would like Bill Belichick to pick the current Pro Bowl team. That was my next question. That's why I would want to do it. For you, Brian, uh, as someone that's been on the team and maybe felt a little snubbed one year, what's the most fair voting process that we can get? Who should be making the vote? How many writers? How many coaches? Like, what, what do you think can the correct way to do you, it is? Can I ask you, as a fan, yeah. do you believe the fans should have a big impact? No, I don't, because inevitably you have to think of the worst possible outcome. And what we saw was, uh, was it Zaza Pachulia, who was almost the starter in the NBA All-Star game because all of his fans in the nation right. of Georgia just rallied and gave him 10 million votes, yeah. which is cool because he's you know he's a fan favorite, and that's exciting to get that voice. But he shouldn't be representing the. I know that we conference. are three people that are, are do not like fan vote, but I know that the league is like this is a great way of interacting with fans. I get it. Maybe maybe there's a fan award that you get. Right, you you get you an award. nominate two or three players that yeah. won the fan award. Right, yeah, and I'm sure Lamar would win it this year. But that would be like a fun thing where this person won the MVP, but this person won the fan favorite right. award. That would be a cool thing for every year. We just we go back through history. Oh, 1986, like this guy was the number one fan fave. That's there's, a cool thing. There's no way, and you just mentioned it. There's no way that I'm seeing the average fan who are it was a voting for a Pro Bowl. They're not watching offensive line play. No, right. they're not. Watch, they're not be. watching defensive line. I don't get to study it, and this is my job. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Nobody's like, doing that. No, especially if, and, and just imagine, especially when you don't know what you're watching. Half I, the time, I would want three people from different entities from different areas. Okay, I would want if we're do. I would want an analytic area. I would want a GM. I would want a coach. I would want like, I, like different parts of evaluations, but I would want checks and balances. So if we're going to do like, if we're going to say PFF gets one, if we're going to say football outsiders gets one, mm. and then like we have someone else so that they're not all using the same metric and it carries different and they can, they have to vote. And so there's three, then I would want three different GMs. If you want to do recently retired, if you want Ozzie Newsom up there, like people that evaluate and are still very close to the games. And then I would be like, okay, who is the coach that's in charge of like playing it? And then I would do, for players, three people from the NFLPA. And that way, but I, and if you want to have fans there as one of five, not one of three, I just, I want certain areas, because I feel like the pro, the all pro feels serious, the pro bowl does not feel serious. The fan vote probably shouldn't just be weighed, it does not equal no. as to coaches and players. No, it shouldn't. It, it, it shouldn't be equal, just because they don't, they don't, you just don't study it as much. The other part that goes on in the pro bowl voting, so now we're all in our meeting rooms, offense and defense, and we say, oh, it's Thursday, we got to do pro bowl voting. Hey, uh, you know, do you, Antonio Pierce, should he be a pro bowler? Nope, I hate Antonio Pierce. Last time I saw him, he punched me in the head, and (laughs) and I absolutely hate him. And everybody else, if you vote for him, you got a problem with me. 
And that happens a lot too. Everyone you know, has a bias, and like everybody, who, hate, who actually hated Antonio Pierce? I mean, I, 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 we 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 did well against Antonio. But I wanted him on the field. Yeah, he was a little slow to the hole. I I, I appreciate him being there. Because they played a lot of man-to-man, and Spags wanted to blitz. And I'm like, okay, perfect. We can get him in some situations Who and coverage. Who is somebody that maybe you did not like in the NFL? Yeah, I didn't really have a problem with a bunch of guys. This is a safe space. No, I didn't have a problem with Lord, a lot of guys at all. I know my last game of my career, this is just my last game. Um, and I respected this guy. And, and, you know, Adrian, you remember Adrian Wilson? Did I tell you this guy's story? So He's I, the one that knocked you out, and you're like, and I'm done. Yeah, no, yeah. He closed line, and I was like, yep, last game. Damn. So but that wasn't a hate type of thing. I didn't hate him. No, I didn't hate anybody. I was just like, I, I just, thought well, guys I wasn't were sure if maybe one guy talked a little bit too much nah, shit. Nah, nah, nah. I, I didn't get him. Listen, my, my job is to make you look crazy, and if you talk like that, I will make you look crazy. One guy that I'm accused of hating is Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Uh, mainly because um, I am a huge Sean Payton fan. And I have a hard time separating offensive coordinator strategies and play calling Ah. with quarterback play. Uh, I'm also someone that in the past has accused Drew Brees of getting a lot of garbage time yardage, uh, especially in those three consecutive seven Seven and nine nine seasons that he was still putting up four or 5,000 yards. I agree with my friend Nick Wright that there's never been a year other than maybe one, but I still think it was Peyton Manning, where we've gone, Drew Brees has hand down the best quarterback in the sport. Never been the MVP. Never been the MVP, but like again, that one's kind of tough. Um, but I do believe that Drew Brees is in the top 10, and I drew, do believe that what he has turned himself into is incredible. When you really factor in the early parts of his career, yeah, yeah. where we know his injury, but he wasn't even hurt, and he got benched for Doug Flutie. He didn't get hurt, and they drafted Phillip Rivers to come in and replace him because they didn't think he was the guy. He was was like the first or fourth pick of the second round, mm-hmm. paired him up Early with Damian Tomlinson. Yeah. But I I am so impressed at <clears throat> I'm gonna die at who Drew Brees turned himself into after he became a free agent, mm-hmm. and I believe if if the comeback player of the year should be renamed for somebody, I think it should be Drew Brees. The amount of times, the amount of things he's come back from is incredible. I think he's one of the best leaders at the quarterback position. That's true. I think he's a top five leader at the quarterback position. No doubt about it. I think he's a top five most accurate passer in the history of the league. Top. The most maybe, accurate maybe passer the most. ever. Like, he, he might be the most, most accurate. Most accurate passer, yeah. Um, but there are limitations to his game. Um, that I think that other guys with Sean Payton for a decade could have done some really incredible things. There's no other guys that would have thrown for more yards than Drew Brees in that offense. You, you think that someone else would have, been, have thrown for 6,000 yards in that offense? I, I think that the one knock that, that has taken me a while to get over with Brady is um, I believe that Brady is the most disciplined and the best leader at the position of all time. And I, and I had a hard time quantifying that. Because those are things that I can't use statistics. I can't use touchdown-interception ratio. I can't use uh, expected points uh, per throw. And and I think Breeze has a lot of those intangible things like Brady has that it's taken me a long time to, like, how do I value that compared to something like arm strength? Mm -hmm. Because, like, Favre is a better passer than both of those guys. But, like, 
Favre didn't command a huddle like those guys did. Favre, Favre wasn't so consistent year over year that you could build a program. Like, there's a reason Favre played for like four different teams in the last five well, he years. He was a gunslinger. Game. He also threw the ball to the other team. Every time you played against Absolutely. Brett Favre, you're like, we're going to get at least one opportunity he was that he's going to throw it the, up there. The Jameis of that day. Absolutely. He was almost spotting at least them one, one or two. Yes, you know, right. but, but I also go, okay, so Drew Brees to me is in the same realm as the Joe Montanas um, where – you're with an offensive mastermind, but also you executed. Now, Joe Montana won four Super Bowls, but I don't think Super Bowls, especially in that era with like no free agency yet, are that indicative of how great you are. I hate when we boil it down to championships. I'm, I'm saying all of this to say I get annoyed when people want to argue him or Marino. If you're in the top 10, you're in the top 10. You know what I mean? Like, you're an all-time great. Well, then at some the, point, you're going to be arguing Staubach versus... Cu- yes. Like, at, at some point, you will get down to a well, cutoff Bradshaw that it matters won for you. Four, and it's like, look, just admit that it comes down to subjective playing style. And you liked watching this guy more than that guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. And, and it, I don't know. You, you get annoyed by people reason. arguing that? Really? Because we're arguing Pro Bowl, which is... And, the, this, and I get this, annoyed about that, too. Yeah. You brought it up. Man, what you talking about? <laughs> I think... I think I am someone that has said from the beginning, I would like to say that I'm an Eagles fan because I'd like for you to know my biases. Yes. I am a little bit biased against Drew Brees because uh, I've seen him beat Eagles teams in important situations, and it wasn't even him. It was Deuce McAllister. Well, I, and I, I him get all the credit for it. This is what you should give him credit for. Not having the strongest arm, not being very, very tall, figuring out a way to go to New Orleans when they were terrible yep. and make something out of that football team. Obviously, you had the setback with those three, seven to nine years, but to be, come out with all those types of numbers, to be the most accurate passer this game has ever seen, touchdown record, that's, that's impressive. Drew Brees is also in the top five of quarterbacks that can make you feel hopeless as they're beating you. There's a few guys. Peyton Manning is mm-hmm. one of those guys. Yep. Uh, Drew Brees is one of those guys. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that as they're doing what they're doing to you, you're going – if we don't score 60 points today, we are not going to be in this game. Lamar Jackson is reaching those elements, he, too. He's showing signs. When they, when they score on their fourth consecutive drive, and you're yeah. like, okay, well, we're just not going to. All right. As as Do you have Tom Brady as your number one quarterback of all time? Yeah, unequivocally. Understandable. The resume is there. I also think the, the, the first sentence in any debate about whether it's Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or Tom Brady or whoever else you want to include cold weather games affect stats. And Tom Brady has played in so many more cold weather games than Drew Brees or Peyton Manning or Matt Ryan or whoever else so played I in a dome. I purposely did not bring up the dome argument because it's something that Saints fans are very sensitive. And I'm very happy you brought it up because it's a very real discussion. It's not Same the be all for, end for all. Peyton in, in Indianapolis absolutely. as well. Dome. Uh, oh, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. The Aaron RCA Aaron Rodgers play in the Superdome. Hmm? It is a thing. Yeah. And so I, I just think it should be mentioned when people say like he's got Drew Brees has more yards per season. He's got more touchdowns. His counting stats are incredible, but he's playing in a dome in a climate controlled dome. Whereas Tom Brady is playing all of his home games and a hell of a lot of games in Buffalo and outside in New York. Hey, but you got it. If you're talking Tom Brady, you also got to mention that he's playing in statistically speaking, the worst division in football for the last. Didn't someone debunk that? I heard someone debunk no, that. No, and it was no. like the, I don't. I don't care. Nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I, I saw yeah. something that it was you. It was you. Hold it on. Was you. As somebody that just because really, he's beating these guys and giving them two extra losses a year, of course they're gonna well, look they worse. As somebody that really has a strong relationship with numbers, mm-hmm. you call them counting stats. Right now, someone like Drew Brees, 
He's on his 14th Pro Bowl or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's now, these are counting stats. Can you explain also, just to the rest of everybody, like why we might get excited about a total, but it's also not that indicative of how good you are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are certain guys, like one stat, again, I I keep bringing up the NBA. I know this is a football podcast, but I just, I love basketball. Um, I, I've been loving watching the last few years as Steph Curry has slowly climbed up the notches of most three-pointers of all time. Mm-hmm. There's only two guys ahead of him right now, Ray Allen and Reggie Miller. I mean, two of just the all-time greatest snipers in the history. Of the, but as he's going, he's passing guys like Vince Carter, who you didn't even think of as a great three-point shooter. He was like fifth all-time. And he's passing, um, who's the Jet? That's a longevity stat. Right, it's a longevity that's what he's saying. Like Which Carl is, Malone is the second all-time second leading points. scorer, right. and no one's arguing that he's the best player of all time. And so, when you're going to argue the difference between Breeze's Frank Gore argument, seventy-four thousand passing yards versus Brady's seventy-one thousand, whatever they are, they both played for about nineteen seasons. What matters to me is that they're essentially equivalent in a lot of those areas. Maybe Breeze has a slight edge here, but then once we acknowledge that there's pretty much a, a statistical similarity in those counting similarity touchdowns. Uh, you know, touchdown to interception ratio, then you start looking at other things. And those other things include wins and championships and division titles and Pro Bowls and whatever else. Those are tiebreakers to me. And when you look at those tiebreakers, Tom Brady has them so far over Drew Brees, like in terms of playoff wins and playoff appearances. And Do this, you that. put any thought coaching? Oh my God, of course. Well, I mean, a and I think Sean Payton is a, is, a, is a great coach too. That's the other thing. So if we're going to be comparing you know, tangential factors like playing outdoors versus playing in a dome. Of course you should compare that he had Bill Belichick, but it's not like Drew Brees had some slouch most of his career in Sean Payton. You had one of the best quarterbacks in, in the league. Your you coach, look like a good coach. Your coach just figures it out. Right. But I would Unless also you're say Mike that, like, I would say that <laughs> the Sean Payton-Drew Brees relationship is about as close as you can get to the Brady-Belichick relationship in terms of, like, both being individually respected, both quarterbacks being wildly disciplined, mm-hmm. and, like, They've grown over time. It's like a fine wine. Now, like Big Ben and Tomlin, I think Big Ben carried him for a long time as he was kind of figuring it out. (laughs) Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, I think it's more Russell Wilson than it is Pete Carroll. Like, I think Pete Carroll is one of the most conservative coaches in the NFL. I think it's been a, a team that's been carried by talent for a long time. But I feel like the partnership of Peyton and Breeze is about... As close as you can get 50, 50. to Belichick and Brady, because I would also say that large swaths of Brady's career, especially the early part, those championships were won by that Patriots defense. No doubt yes. about it. And he was a 210 yard passer. Mm-hmm. Now he was able to come into his own and win for and win by throwing 400 yards a game. But when we get back to Drew Brees, there was a large part of his career where he was wandering in the desert as a future backup. So, like, it took them all time to kind of become that. I'm glad you mentioned that because there are sort of individual eras of Brady's career, right? From 2001 to 2006, and then 2007, it was like, oh, I'm Brady. I'm putting the sunglasses and leather jacket on, and I'm the freaking gunslinger now. And he never won a title during that era. From 2007 to 2013, those are his statistically best years when he was putting up 4,800 yards. Some would say his Drew Brees years. Yeah, he was. They were winning a lot of regular season yes. games, but they were flaming out against a really good Rex Ryan's defense uh-huh. in the in the in yes. the playoffs, or against a really good Joe Flacco team in 2012. Right? Like yeah. they were running into some playoff buzzsaws, and that happens once in a while when you're you're relying on things like let's put up as many touchdowns and as many yards right. as possible, but you're not getting the team concept like they did in 2004 or they did in 2014. There's another part about Drew Brees. That like Aaron Rodgers carried Mike McCarthy his entire fucking career. I believe that too. Like the his other, entire career. The other part about Drew Brees <laughs> is that 
I, I kind of, and he's such a good guy, no one ever talks about it, but he kind of is a stat type of guy. Like, I mean, he's, he wants to put up those numbers. Yes. And they've been on the goal line an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And he's thrown some, a lot of passes, just like the other night. You're like, time will come on. Just run the damn ball. <laughs> Drew's trying to get those touchdowns. And has he doesn't seem like he wants them, but he wants them. Someone pointed this out on Twitter. I, I wish I could remember who it's, it was. It's a little bit like James Harden. Yeah, I don't want. I mean, I don't want. And, and like, we look at James Harden and go, he's averaging forty points a game. Right, this yeah. is incredible. But then you're like, yeah, but like, he's doing it from the free throw line. He's finding cheap ways to do it. And it's like, look, man, the goal is to get yards and put up points. That's it. So you don't want to get upset at him, but you're also like, man, fifteen years from now, we're going to forget about like all those yards picked up in the fourth quarter, That's and right. we're going to look at it and go, wasn't he amazing? That's right. But yeah. truly, no one breaks a record like Drew Brees. I feel like every time he's always in the Superdome, <laughs> he's always like grabbing one of his eight kids and being like, "You never forget how important it is. Charity will guide." Hey, no, no, no. I I cried last year when he said that to his kids because as a father, I'm like, "Oh man, I just want my kid to know that too." I I I I, mean, I wasn't like, you always stick together. And I had a, I shed he, a little tear. He there. sets a record in style. It's always a game where he has five touchdowns and yeah. no picks. He gives and, a right, crowd their due. Twenty nine of thirty, and they're up by six touchdowns. So he gets time to yes. milk it. It's not like oh we gotta go, we gotta go. Two minute drill. Yes, he's always working on something on the side. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't have to know anything about this defense. Don't be looking at the tablet. They don't cover anybody. That's, That's all, all you need to know. I did want to ask you this though. That Reggie Bush clip that went viral last week of uh, Drew Brees. He's by himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's look at him. That's how that you was get a great, great. Did you didn't see this? No. That's so it a was, great setup. It was shot. after practice, and it was like Reggie Bush was filming from like a hundred yards away, and you can just see Drew Brees like going through some progressions. I guess he was doing. Mm-hmm. Look at that. He's the only one out here. He does like a pan across the stadium. No one else is there. It's like you know who else was by himself? Me shooting free throws in my driveway at right, seven yeah, p.m. No yeah. one thought I was that amazing. Sucks. Is that shit overrated? I I think there is some production value there that Reggie wanted the shot. He wanted to make a point. And obviously at some point, Drew Brees is working by himself, but in year 19 this week, is he doing it? Probably not. You know what? You know what I think it is. I have, and I've gotten it over it with JJ Watt. JJ Watt is one of the top five pass rushers of all time. Like JJ Watt is like a notch below Reggie White for me in terms of like impactful defensive lineman. A that, notch below? Are you out of your mind? When when you can be JJ Watt and you're legitimately a candidate for MVP for a few years, I think that he was up there in terms of him and Aaron Donald are in like that tier to me. Now Aaron Donald, if he keeps doing it for a longer period of time, JJ Watt was beset with back injuries. But what I'm saying is the reason I'm bringing up JJ Watt to Drew Brees. I grew up seeing movies about this story, the Invincibles, the Miracles, the uh, the uh, the white the Rockies, the white guy that is just all about work <laughs> and he does it right. And so for me, the David Eckstein, somebody that I like Marcus Vick more than I like Michael Vick. Huh. I like antiheroes. I like Tony Soprano. I like Rick Sanchez. I like my heroes to be flawed. Drew Brees and J.J. Watt, you don't see the flaws. When Drew Brees wins the Super Bowl, his kid with the headphones becomes like plastered on USA Today and he goes on Oprah. Drew Brees is doing it the right way, right? That's what you hear. And it's beautiful. The same reason that I want to get upset at Mariah Carey for all I want for Christmas is you because it's too popular is the reason that I usually rebel against people like Drew Brees and J.J. Watt. Because it doesn't feel fucking real. Uh, But (laughs) as I get older and I become less of a degenerate, 
And I realize how hard it is to be dedicated to your craft. And that the fact that it's not just we're putting on, because in this age of social media, a lot of people will act like they're great mm-hmm. and they're actually pieces of crap. Right. These people are actually great people all the time. And I'm realizing how much harder it is to be that consistent. And I'm starting to appreciate the breezes and the watts more because believe me, I love the flash in the pans. I love the people that I love Fetty Wap <laughs> four, four songs in the top 10. Right. And then like I see a year later and he's like, oh, I'm coming God. across hard times. I want him to come back, but I, I'm coming to grips with how hard it is to sustain excellence personally and professionally for a very long time. And that's why I'm appreciating Drew Brees more. Now, it's also why when I see Eli came off the field and he hugged his family, I felt for Eli. You felt I for did. him? I did. I did. Because you know what? Well, you felt happy for him? Like, thank God you're finally finished doing this. You know, you know, you know how Apollo this. Creed and, and, and uh, Rocky, after years of, of hating each other and beating each other's ass, eventually looked at each other and was like, Man, it was nice to have a challenger. Tyson that's, and that's Holyfield. How, that's how I felt towards Eli. It was like, you know what? It's been fun to be part of this narrative for damn near 20 years with you. And so I'm getting a little sentimental. But I used to hate all of those people. I'll tell you this. I it, don't know. That was cathartic for with, me. With your, your point about being a leader all the time. Right. It's, 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 it's just so hard to do. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, as far as on the football team. You got, I gotta be. I can't be a part-time leader. Nobody respects a part-time leader. Ever. You have to be a leader all the time. It's hard to do. But and 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 maybe you understand this a little bit as as, you, as your your daughter grows. But I like heroes like Drew Brees and JJ Watt to understand. When I have a kid, I'm gonna love him so much more because I know you're, you'll be preaching. Do the right thing. It'll pay off. Yes. Don't do the wrong thing and hopefully come back and people will forgive you. You're preaching, do the right thing. It'll pay off at some point. That's what I preach to my kids. Yes. Hopefully that's what I live. I'm so. actually going the other way. I'm, really? I'm going to visit my kid in nursery school and all the other parents are teaching their kid you got to share. So I'm telling my daughter, scoop up all the toys. Yeah. You know, Capitalism this is your chance. <laughs> you should teach her that. But what do you, what do you, think, about, cool. what do you yeah. think about my whole I just want to see how she turns out. I bet she'll be fine. <laughs> she'll be all right. How do you, how do you she'll feel, She'll be rich, though, for sure. About, she like, won't have any friends. Exactly. That's honestly, that's honestly why I've always liked Belichick. Because Belichick's gone, I'm going to be sustained excellence, but I'm also going to be an asshole the entire time. That's it. And that's why I've always loved Belichick. Mm-hmm. Like, every time Belichick's in a scandal, he dresses worse. So, like, him walking to the podium with rolled-up sweatpants, he goes, no, screw you. Like, I firmly believe he started doing the cutoff sweaters after one of the scandals. Because he was like, I am I'm going to make sure that your best coach is not dressed up. There's a story about that. I remember from the Boston Globe of when the, the cutoff sleeves started. Um, I believe it was uh, they were going against the Vikings, and someone came in with two sweaters and did the, hey, do you want this one or this one, Mr. Belichick? And he said, I don't give a shit. I'm trying to figure out how to cover goddamn Randy Moss. It was like some moment like that, and like in a fit of rage, like took out some scissors off his desk and was like, now, now they fit. Okay, we have it. It was like one yes. of those. I, I think it was a Shira Springer story. I love Boston that. Globe. That's perfect, legend. actually. It was, it was some story. I might be missing a detail or two, but I believe it was some version exactly like what you think the version of Bel Belichick is. Yeah. But I know like Tom Brady is. He's got to be a hero in New England for the rest of his life. Um, And having complete focus, right? So I saw Kevin Garnett uh, was on Simmons' podcast. Haven't listened yet. And I just saw the one clip they put out on social of how Kevin Garnett said the league had an agenda for LeBron and the Heat to win in 2012 when the Celtics were up Mm 3-2 and then the Heat won two games in a row. 
Well, I went back and watched game six where LeBron had 30 in the first half, shot like 14 for 15, and had that Tom Brady focus where I wanted to go, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, no, you were facing one of the greatest players in the history of the league. At his you apex. guys were all were starting to come down, and he had the face of the devil before the game, and you had no chance. And I've seen that so many times for Brady. And the true thing is, is it is so hard to maintain that no all doubt. the time. No doubt. And that's the, the thing about football is it's the only game where there could be a commercial break before every play. And there's a lot of room for you to get distracted. There's a lot of people there. And the great ones have that laser focus. And for Tom Brady to have that, for Drew Brees to have that, that's why they're in the top of all. You know what's also hard, and, and I never thought about it until you just mentioned it, it's hard to be lasered focused for an entire week. Like Monday, Tuesday, you know what I'm saying? For, it, but in basketball, you play every other day. Baseball, same type of thing. So you don't have to be laser focused. Just, oh, we got a game tomorrow. Cool. I got a game tomorrow. But for football, you got to be focused Every single day. I got to get better on Wednesday. I got to get better on Thursday. I got to be better on Friday. And, oh, Saturday, we got to walk through. I got to get better every single day. You have to be focused all the time. It's just hard. I mean, mentally, it's hard to do that. It's Our overwhelming. episode with Travis Kelsey Ditch came the playbook. out the week of the Patriots. I got a text. I sent a bunch of the clips to Travis. Hey, man, check it out. Blah, blah, blah. I hope you like it. I get a text back Sunday night right after the game is over. Sorry, bro. Turned my phone off all week. It was Patriots week. Love that. And But the thing is, is we go, oh, man, come on, man. You got like six days. You can figure this out. You're off no. this. I, I, people don't realize the level of commitment it takes to actually get that 1% better. It's a, it's a, it, it, I'll tell you this. It's exhausting as a player, and it's stressful. Just imagine you just had your best game of your career, running back, 200 carry. I mean, 200 rushing yards, best game of my career. If you come back the next week and only have 45 yards, you suck. Yeah. And that's a stress level. That made me buy a damn horse farm. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Really? I bought my horse farm just to get away from football, just to get away from the stress of football because you have to be good every single week. You can't take a week off if you want to be considered one of the best in the game. That type of laser focus is hard to come by week after week, day after day. Is that God forbid, that year after year. Do you practice focus? And did the NFL ever, like, did you ever, like, Andy Reid and stuff, like, were there tips they gave you? No. You know, for me, I never practiced. I probably, and I'm thinking about it, I probably should have. I never thought about it that way. It was just that I wanted to be so focused, and I wouldn't allow the outside stuff to affect it. Of course, you got your day Monday, Monday night, Sunday night after the game. I'm going to have a little fun. But Tuesday morning, I need to be get right back to whatever it is I'm focused on, New York Giants. But – and you you got to have some downtime. You got to I mean, you can't be all business all the time. But to be focused in that way for five, six days in a row, it's just hard to do. And that's why you see a lot of these guys that are super, super talented that you're like, well, what happened to him? He's so good. Why can't he do it again and again and again? Because it's hard to stay focused. It's hard to keep doing that over and over and over. Not a lot, not a lot of guys can do it. No. Now, when you got a wife that makes 25 million bucks or makes more million, more, more than you, maybe it's a little bit easier. Yeah, maybe a little easier. Well, that's you. You reach a point where financially you get so secure that you can build things around you. Like, talk about we went to Josh Norman's house, ditch the playbook. We go there. He has 
uh, a personal chef mm -hmm. come in there, cook for them, make yep. everything, yep. all that stuff for like the whole week. This is the smoothies you need. You go upstairs. There is a hyperbaric chamber, so he doesn't have to go any for that. That's right there. In the basement, there's a barber shop. You reach a point financially where you can build things around you where your focus is a lot easier to keep. That's right. Because if you're going to a barber, you're hearing all the noise. Or it's an extra 30 minutes that you got to travel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so you reach those points when you become the elite of the elite that you build like almost a fortress of focus around that's right. you. Well, that's why I'm always so impressed with those guys that are like the journeyman, 26-year-old rookies, where they just put every dollar oh. that they had into like hiring a trainer, booking a field, this, that, and the other, flying around to, to tryouts all over the place because they knew that the payoff could come one day. But that is like an incredible journey. It's, it's the notion of um, if you if you think you're always going to succeed, then it's all investments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if there's even a sliver in your mind, you're like, I can't just blow my entire savings account. I can't spend this. But if you're thinking like that, right. I don't think it's going to work. You'll never. It's be. like crazy. It's like you need to almost be like. Going Kamikaze for and be yeah. like, I mean, I'm doing this and there is no parachute. Yeah. And that's wild. I've heard that from like from the like the showbiz side of things. I've heard and I listen to, you know, podcasts with sure. actors and writers and showrunners and all that stuff. And I love listening to the two of them have the complete opposite perspective where some people like Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny. He said the important thing is to never have a backup plan. He said that, like, if you come to New York or you come to L.A. thinking like, well, I could always just go to law school. Oh, I could always just drop out and join my dad's roofing business. Like, then you won't make it because you're not going to say I have to make it. Yeah. Then I've also heard Cameron Manheim, amazingly talented actor, very successful. What What has he done? She has Damn. done Law and Order. Cameron Manheim. You love Cameron Manheim. I'm just looking at her. Uh, okay, anyway, she's she's was saying that like you have to treat it like a job mm -hmm. and you have to make sure that you're not like living in squalor your first few oh, years. She's a right. legend. Yeah. She is like law and order. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, you have to, you have to make sure that you're, that you're like treating it like a job and, and not, and not doing it some sort of like fake career where you just like live in, you just like buy real furniture, have, don't have pizza boxes that you're sitting on all day. Right. So they had two completely different perspectives yeah. on it. She was saying, get a, get a survival job, get a day job, like make sure that you're treating yourself like an adult. And I think that like there's there's two different ways you know of, of going about it, and I'm glad that both of those perspectives exist in the ether. Which one do you uh, subscribe to more? The cameraman, Heim. I, as soon as I got to New York, I got a tutoring job. You know, I yeah. I've, I was pursuing everything I want. I was writing stuff. I was working on videos, trying to do stuff like they do here at Bleacher Report. But I knew that if I couldn't like afford my apartment, it would stress me out to a point that I wouldn't be able to focus on anything creative. Some people want to burn the ships. They get there, they want to burn the ships. There's no going back. Just Cortez it up. And it works. I mean, everyone's different. Yeah, because, like, I was a I was a move to Nebraska, make $18,000 a year, and, like, there's no option. Like, I'm, I'm going, like, all in. I respect that hustle. But I, but I also don't, I think it's important what you're saying is one does not exclude the other. There is no one path to this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important because a lot of people, they want to find someone they want to emulate and they do exactly that. And every situation dictates something differently. I think really it comes down to is, do you have the talent to do it? Especially in the NFL. Like you either have it or you don't. What's your motivation? I think that's what it comes yes. down to. What, what motivates you the most? If, does being homeless motivate you more right. than getting a couple bucks? Then that's what you need to use. Right. Some people get motivated by fear. Some people get motivated by success. That's right. That's Some right. people are intimidated by success. That's right. Some people are afraid of fear. Yep. It's yeah. That's why I'm just glad both perspectives exist out there in the ether for you to listen to and to think about and say what makes best sense for you. 
completely unrelated, I am starting to do some CPA work. So if you need your taxes done just as a fallback. It's a great backup plan. Or wait, is that your passion? Just kidding. <laughs> is Bleacher Report your day job and you've <laughs> always wanted to pursue The last person I want doing my taxes is you. <laughs> Being focused for however long it takes to do taxes. No Westbrook, thanks. you could pay your taxes, or you could take this other option <laughs> right. in tax tank. And buy a boat. <laughs> How about you buy a boat with your tax money and figure it out from there? You can live off the Cayman Islands, and I won't tell anybody where you are. Uh, the, so Sunday, the Eagles end up covering against yeah. Washington because of that late touchdown. I send Ingber a tweet because Dennis, who is the lead writer for Gridiron Heights. Killing it this year, by the way. Killing it. Bet me during the week four and a half points that the Eagles were not going to cover. Mm. And so that helped me cover. And, it, and I said it was all because Dennis tweeted at me during the middle of the game. Mm, getting hungry for them empanadas. And by the way, that do was that. a great great wager because what's more, what's a more effective bet? $11 or two empanadas? Exactly. That are worth $11, but it's such a, such a better wager. Absolutely. I sent it to Ingber, and Ingber did not see the end of the game. And his response was, Typical Eagles fans getting excited over a, <laughs> over a going seven and seven, uh-huh. beating the Redskins, and it was just it, I I'm, I haven't told him this yet. I was so angry. It was as though Pat Pat had sent me. <laughs> I was like I was because it had nothing to do with it. And I'm just curious your perspective, Mister. I've won every division title for like the last twenty years. Yeah, watching. A battle for nine and seven to win the NFC East. Because mm-hmm. your perspective, we're like living and dying, and you're like, this is pathetic. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's pathetic. I just think that uh, that when a team has like two or three more wins than your team and doesn't make the playoffs, I just think like you should just give them out of the goodness of your heart, out of out of out of fear of shame, you should just give them your playoff like spot. A gift. The, the Matt Castle Patriots year, we went 11 and 5 and didn't make the playoffs. And uh, the 8 and 8 Chargers with Phil Rivers won their division and they made the playoffs. And I was like, you should be ashamed going out there on Saturday and playing your divisional round game. The most interesting <laughs> aspect of this is whenever I've asked this to players, they always talk about the importance of the division. Like it means a lot to you. And I don't know if it's because when you start the year, it's like, number one thing we're going to do, we're going to win the East. That's right. Number, you're like, but it's, it's not like they came out there and said, like, let's go eight and eight as long as everyone else goes seven and nine. They said, let's try to win as many games as possible. But to me, it's always been the biggest. <laughs> right? The Didn't biggest, they? The biggest difference between fans and players are fans go reseed the conference. Players go the division matters. Right? No, the do division does matter. And, and, and of course it matters. Because, yeah, of course. I'm being an asshole. I know that I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah but I, I tend to go more towards conference reseeding. You, do you really? Yeah, because especially in a year like this in the NFC, right, where if if the Rams— Well, years go, like this don't always happen, though. Of course. But then again, they do. Sometimes. Because we did see this with the Seahawks and the Saints, you know, a few years ago. And that was—and then the argument for that is if the Seahawks uh, got into—they got into, like, 7-9, and nine, but that's when we had Marshawn Lynch right, play right, out right. the Saints. And the we Giants, seen that. when they won the championship, David Deal. Right. They were fucking— They were bad. Yeah, and they—I think they were nine and seven. I think I think Aaron Rodgers was a six seed when yeah. he went. I don't know if they—I don't know if that was one of those situations. I think you should have to have a plus five hundred record in order to make the playoffs. If there's a wild card team that won't make it, you know that—that that is well. That that kind of gives. It doesn't give the teams that just get hot. Maybe that maybe that wild card team should have won their division. Yes, they just got hot. Sure. Well, what, what if that, your quarterback's hurt for the first half of the season and you just suck? You lost eight games in a row. Then that's you just what happens got to your team. Hot, hot. I mean, what if, well, you got hot the last eight games of the year. You won eight in a row. And oh, you I, don't make it because of that? 
I know that like injuries happen. Saying that like you that you should be like given a bump or given a disadvantage just because someone got injured. Like, of course, it comes down to the record at the end of the year. We don't care if Drew Brees missed six games. What happened was the record is their record. And they did an amazing job this year coalescing around an injured quarterback mm-hmm. and having, an, what are they, 5-0, 6-0 without him? Yeah. Like, that's incredible, and that's rare. But I'm saying that if, if your team is 8-8 eight and eight and you won your division, and then there's another team out there that's 10-6 and six and didn't win their division, I think the 10-6 and six team should get that force. If we're going to talk eight. about this yeah. year, I'll also say this. I'm not seeing anything out of the Rams and Bears where I feel like I need to really fight for those teams to get in. Now, if like a team like the Vikings or Saints weren't able to get in, mm-hmm. I get it. But we're talking about the Rams or the Bears, right? Because this particular year, yes. I'm saying this is a rule for the future. I'm not but talking. You're, you're about not saying that team shouldn't be in the playoffs. You're saying they should get the four seed. Instead of the six seed or the five or six seed. No, I think I, uh, that was the first thing. I think that if you're eight and eight and there's a deserving team that's above eight and eight, the eight and eight team should not make the playoffs. Oh, no. I know. I know. It's crazy. And I, maybe people on Twitter will, will call me crazy. My, my cause and effect question for players is <laughs> I don't always, like when Westbrook gets mad at did me. Did you always think the division mattered or because you've had coaches pound it into your head? For like your entire career, is it just something that you believe to be true? Well, I think it gives you some structure. I think it gives you a a small-term, short goal, and then you blossom out to the bigger goals, win your conference, then win the Super Bowl. So I I think that that for coaches and players alike, that gives you a smaller goal to shoot at right away. But you also know you're going to play these teams, and as you get to know those teams, you build that rivalry. That's what the NFL really wants. I do like rivalry. I like playing the Bills twice a year. I like playing the Jets twice a year. It's fun. And you get like, oh, every year we go to Miami and then this thing happens. You know, like yeah. you, you get into these patterns and it's fun. But I bet you, because our brain has an amazing way of readjusting to new stimuli that if, if within three or four years of no divisions, if it was just AFC and NFC, and it was just, you know, one through six, I bet you within three or four years, we would like forget what it was like to have divisions. But see, you're, really you're also competing against everybody instead of those three other teams in your division. I, I think if we're players, it's probably a better thing. It's scheduling fairness. Yeah. There would be some like real scheduling fairness. And I know that divisions in various sports came about because of travel, right? right that it was exactly. easier to go to Buffalo twice a year or, you know, once or twice back and forth than it was to go to Vancouver or go to Seattle or go to wherever across the country. So now that everyone can take these first class chartered flights and we've got, as Warren Sharp is so quick yes. to point out, we've got all these improvements when teams are going out on the road. That stuff's not as important anymore. And I would like to see the Patriots play 16 different teams around the league as opposed to stacking up on playing the same three teams six times. It is. I saw this is just shows you like different in the weeds. I think Bill Simmons, the title of his podcast on Monday was is home field advantage dead. And I was like, we literally did that four months 18, ago, 18 weeks ago, <laughs> but that's, that's where they are. But I, I think it's an interesting conversation. I think I am somebody that loves progression, but then when push comes to shove, I also love tradition. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, it, this happens like once every six years, it feels like, where there's a team that might not be deserving as the mm-hmm. other teams. But I, I think my thing would be, my fix would be the reseeding of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Eagles or the Cowboys will host maybe the Niners, that's crazy. Well, like 12 or 13 wins. Yeah, like, yeah. To me, if you want to reseed one to six, I get, I'm get. i down with that. I don't want to get rid of divisions uh, because I do want to play the Giants, the Cowboys, and Washington yeah. because those games mean more to me as a fan, too. I, I'm not dying to play the Bucks. 
You know what I mean? I'm not like, man, I, I just wish I could play the Chargers more. But I really like don't give a Division fuck. realignments happen all the time. The Patriots and Colts used to be in the same division. Arizona then, Cardinals were in the NFC East. They were. Yeah. I used to love playing them twice a year. <laughs> Except Jake Plummer used to fucking kick our ass. I'm just saying, like, after a few years, when a team leaves a division, you're like, well, this is our division now, and right. they're now our rivals. Seattle like, Seahawks were in the AFC. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Astros were <laughs> an NL yeah. team from my yeah. entire childhood. Yeah. But... I don't know. I just, as an Eagles fan, I believe the East Coast teams have some really great rivalries. Like, I never want the Falcons and Saints to split up. Um, but like, you love the rivalries. That's yeah, what like the divisions are all about. Miami and Buffalo and the Jets, and yeah. not just because you beat them, but it's like, like you said, like there's always something weird that happens in Miami. And we would play and them. Buffalo we would always them. feels like little brother, and it adds a lot there. And like the Jets are the team that like fucked you guys up for. It a takes few years at least there. ten years. To establish that rivalry. So you believe becoming a, a New York citizen and new rivalries takes the same amount of time? Yep, I takes 10 years. At least 10. <laughs> if you could start a new rivalry with any team that you don't play often, who would you want it to be? Oh, that's a great one. I think the Patriots and 49ers. Kansas City would be the answer, just so you know. Well, I thought you said pl- doesn't play often. We played them three times in the last two years. You mean often like every, twice a year? Like, I don't know. I think New York, the Giants, and Patriots is like a rivalry that I'd like to see here's every a, year. Here's a really good example because every year Brady and Manning would meet each other on Monday night, and right. it was an event. Right. They were not in the same division. There was right. still a rivalry. They would meet up in the playoffs every other year. It was still an event, division or not. Yeah. Same thing with Brady against Roethlisberger. conference rivals where every team, and like both teams have to agree. So it's like kind of doing like a jersey swap and hoping the other guys like sure I'll swap jerseys uh-huh. that would be really Ravens fun. Seahawks love it yeah sure love it. Sport, I mean, you could go 49ers Seahawks I mean, Ravens as well who would be the Eagles AFC rival <sighs> give them the Titans I don't know <laughs> I've always thought Eagles the Titans. Jets they're both green and white really I don't know just kind of our, our you could come up with what's the road from Philly to New York What's the 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 I ninety five? Yeah, you call it the I ninety five bowl or something. Yeah. They always play each other in preseason. Yeah, they do. It's you know what I mean? Worst game of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's always week four when right. it's Matt Sims versus. Yeah. You don't know any of these guys. Raheem Mostert. Okay, you want to get to the cup? Let's get to the cup. I can't believe I didn't know. I asked, "Who's Cameron Mannheim?" <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a way to get rivalries without necessarily aligning divisions. You don't have to play twice a year for it to be a, a rivalry. Yeah, I think they need to play 20 games a season. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, Amber, whatever voice you want to do. Yeah, I'm going to go Boston. How many push-ups could you do continuously right now if you really went for it? I like doing, so when Von Miller had a crazy trainer in the offseason, he used to say when he was, he would be doing pull-ups, and he'd say, there are children attached to your feet. And as soon as you stop, they all die. Oh, wow. like, and, and I was like, that's excessive. Wow. Wow. But, it, but I like the notion of it being escape from L.A., where it's like if you don't make four baskets in that. So if you, as soon as you stop doing push-ups, we're gonna, you're going to die. And this is not like you, you can't just hold the push-up position, oh, take can't. a breather. I said continuous, right? Oh, wow. Because, th- yes, we could like, push-ups to me, not the chest yeah. to the floor. Chest uh, to the floor. How many could you do if your life depended on it? Ingber's been doing push-ups every morning, so that's why we're going to let him go. answer this question first. So I thought about this. So I could do 31, no problem. Nice. Right? like that. that 31 I, I, full push-ups. Yeah, this morning I did I'm 31 without stopping because I wrote this question and I knew that what is, we were talking about. So then I, I went from there, I built from there, that I felt like 34 would be real painful. Right. Because I did 31 just in my own apartment. I like had Netflix on the floor in front of me. I was just like doing it. No, you didn't. I did. I put my phone down. I'm watching the, uh, Ronnie Chang's new Santa special. How, how long did it take you to do yeah, this? Seriously. I mean, are you, are you, are you, are you there for 30 hours? Seconds. 
How long does it take to do a push-up? You haven't watched a video down, down, do this? 30 seconds. I had my phone in my ear. I put it on the floor. I did push-ups. I kept I kept. Continu- you did more I work can- to set this whole thing up. <laughs> no, 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 it's work. You're going to be a super millennial. Jeez. Oh can't even do push-ups without watching content. Wow. I can. I choose not to because it's just as easy to continue watching content. Okay. So you believe, though, if you went to the fullest extent limits of your body, I would say 34. like 39. 39. Yeah, because 34 would really hurt. And then I think, I think, I honestly think my arms would give out around 37, 38. I think I would just, I would just wiggle to the floor. I know that I can do 25 continuously, but that I'm not, it, I'm not like, I'm not like shaken. So I feel like I would be in your zone. Yeah. Um, I'll ask you this question. And I've been training. Do you know what happens when you think that you can do one more push up and you actually can't? You fall on your teeth. Yes. Like your, your body just. So I I listened to this. It was like a Joe Rogan podcast with David Goggins, who's like the famous, like, (laughs) I'll run until my shins bleed. Oh, God. He broke a record of pull-ups in in like a certain amount of time to where apparently he was doing pull-ups and his arms were turning purple because all the capillaries were exploding in his arms. I know that I do not have the mental toughness to push to my body yeah. to that limit. You should read Malcolm Our, Gladwell's piece about being a runner. It's really like he was saying, like, I just I can't push my body to that limit no. ever again. There are some people and you of all of us have probably pushed yourself to that limit. Yeah. Before you answer your question, what was the time that you've probably pushed yourself physically to a limit that you didn't even know your body could handle? We did a. um Dip competition in college. Fuck. Dips. And, you know, just, and obviously you're young, you're just competitive. You just do them and just go. And so one of my boys, who was still good friends with the linebacker, big, strong dude, goes in, I don't know, there's 50 of them. And so now everybody's like, there's no one, we have no one stronger than this guy. And then it just just worked out that way. That day I did maybe 54, 55, so whatever the number was. But there's a point where you're saying, okay, mentally, I have nothing left. And you just like, all right, this is it. And you hammer out another 20. It's, it's hard to do. And hard people do. just going nuts. Like it, no, people are going crazy. Yeah. But you, you, you have to psych yourself out similar to what you're saying. You got to psych yourself out in a whole different way. Because, look, they always say we use like 10% of our brains or whatever it is. Like we, we are doing that with everything. Because, you know, if you work out with a trainer, they're going to work you harder out than if you would yourself. Because right. you're going to go, oh, I can't do this. And they're going to go, no, you can. And it's... Some people, that's why, that's why I appreciate the people that can do it. I am not capable of that. I saw a video tried. of a kid. They were, and it was him and his coaches. I am capable. I've just never tried. You never push yourself. <laughs> it, 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 he was supposed to try to do a bear crawl for five yards. He was like, I can't do a bear crawl for five yards, coach. And so the coach says, close your eyes and get on the line. And he does it for five yards. Just And the coach is like, you're almost there. You're almost there. A hundred yards later, the kid has no clue that he can do it. But you got someone pushing you. Yes. you, you don't, you're not noticing the yard markers. It's a big difference. Yeah. I say all that to say I probably could do 60. Wow. Damn. 60. That's amazing. But I, I would have to literally push myself the last. I, I probably could do 45 without pushing myself. The last 15 would be I'm gonna try a struggle. To, I'm going to try to jack like my number up by Miami. That sounds like something I'd like to see in Miami. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm I want to try to get my number up. I'm going to try to get my number up. I'll I think try we to... should. I think we should. I don't. Like, why did I? Oh, and I now you have to do, you're going to have to do at least 39. <laughs> at least 39. And you're going to have to do at least 39. I'm going to tell you this right now. We're going to be in Miami. I'm going to do 40 push-ups in front of you. That's my new goal. I needed to give myself a goal, and now I have one. And you're going to fist bump on any of this. Oh, time <laughs> out. Come no, on. I just you got a trainer now. Listen, 
You have a trainer. There are very few times. There are very few times that I point to the laptop and go, oh, (laughs) I have just witnessed for the first time a bet between two people on this show that didn't involve me. And that was amazing to watch. And I would like to be the judge. This, this wasn't even too. a bet. This you know was, what's, you know what's more powerful than a money is me just wanting to better myself. That's right. The fact that you called it a money. <laughs> it's a money. Stay on the brand. I, I know this, pod. What voice should Westbrook do? You've sat there and you've watched great uh, accents from him this entire time. Yeah. What's one that you've been wanting to see? This is uh, when, the, when the newscaster throws to the weather guy who's in the middle of a storm. Good. Got it. <laughs> He's holding his ear. Yeah. Hey, 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 David. All right, all right here, here we are. Um, Coastal Carolina. Storm is raving. <laughs> Got a question for you, though. There's a Native American proverb. What'd you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're still here. <laughs> we're still here. The tragedy of life is not death, but what we will lie, what we will let die inside of us while we live. Now, no, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. What has died inside of you? Adam Lefko. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, interesting there, Brian, as uh, you heard. Okay. That was everything I wanted it to be, by the way. That was A+. plus. All right, so explain this to me. There's a Native American proverb that I stumbled across at some point, you know, whenever you're reading weird internet yeah. shit, that the tragedy of life is not that we yeah. die, but right. what we let die inside of us while we live. Oh, wow. I think it's a beautiful statement. That's now, you wrote this deep. down, and I kind of want you to lead again, because mm-hmm. I, I would like to kind of hear your answer. That's pretty deep. And I, I, deep I, this is one I have to think about a little bit. So what has died inside of you? And I don't think it's a sad thing, necessarily. Things change and evolve as you as you're grow up, as your brain changes, yeah. as your chemistry changes. And I think one thing that's really changed for me the last few years, obviously having a kid, is that I'm not going to one day wake up and be a grown-up. That's I've been saying that for a long time. I thought one day I'd be like, okay, well, I'm X age. Now I'm a grown up and I understand how taxes work and I understand about this, that and the other. It's like you just can. There are so many ways where I still feel like I'm the exact same person as when I was 13. And there are so many times where I think I'm going to be the exact same way when I'm 65. And I'm just like, I guess I'm a grown up. I have a kid. I have a wife, I have a family, I, I you know, have a, a career. Like I, these are I, all adulty things. all the adult boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm very, very similar. I think what has died inside of me is that just do whatever the hell you want to do when you're young type of thought process. Because when you have kids, you got you to gotta, you gotta think on a whole different level. That thought process like, yeah, I'll just figure it out. I'm just going to wing it today. I'm just going to literally wing it. Mm-hmm. Can't do it when a kid. You got to get up. You got to actually feed them. They got to bathe them. You got to take them out. I mean, you got to do a so lot of So the notion, the notion of like being young. Yeah, just like, died. yeah, it's dead. Yeah. Like I have to be an adult every day. Mm-hmm. And that's those are the times where you're saying when I get to hang out with my boys in yes. Miami. Yes. I'm not adulting. I have no responsibilities. I'm not setting an alarm. I'm just going to. That's what I'm saying. You still in. enjoy all the same things that you would have enjoyed when you were 15, except now you're an I adult would. and you have autonomy and you call like your own Uber. That. I, would I like think to the do thing that. that has died inside of me is fanhood and celebrity. Mm. I think for me, I've kind of reached a point where, you know, I used to, I used to send letters to athletes and athletes and, and actors when I was growing up. Like I have a Jim Carrey autographed picture in my house. Wow. That I sent to him when I was like 12 and he sent it back and it said like, um, smack or, 
uh, smack you very much or something like that. Spank you very much? Spank you very much. Yeah, yeah. And and then my friend got one and said the same thing. But I, ah, but, but for me, it's... His assistant it, signed all of them the same way. <laughs> or it's like a stamp or something. <laughs> but, um, you know, I when I when it's a question I get asked all the time. Are you going to be nervous? You know, do you who who would you interview that would make you nervous? And the thing is, is like, I don't I get nervous, but I don't get nervous for why you're thinking I would get nervous. It's not like, holy crap, I'm next to Ellen DeGeneres or holy crap, I'm next to LeBron. It's more of like, holy crap, I hope that I can do my job at a level that they're going to respect and that I get good things out of because I care about the result more than anything. Mm -hmm. And also... I've because I've been able to kind of see really famous people walk through and see how people react. I've been thrown off so hard at at fanhood that I go, I don't like the way that that looks on them. I don't like seeing people reduced down to like, take this, sign this. I need a picture. It's made me so uncomfortable watching it happen for other people that I don't get like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's not this like I'm too cool. It's my dad used to say all the time to me. He goes, I'm not going to give you a speech about why you shouldn't do drugs, about what it's going to do to you. He goes, you need to look at, at what it's done to people and, and realize that you don't want that to happen to yourself. And I've kind of seen that with fanhood where it's a drug. And I've seen people get reduced down to like children. And that has died in me. Mm. And there are times where I wish it didn't. Where like, I say that if I saw Brian Dawkins again, that, oh, I'd be crazy. I would just, I would want to have a good time. I don't know. But I, I'm telling you, it wouldn't have that effect on me. You wouldn't be like a fanboy at all. No, like if Michael Jordan walked in right now, I would be like, wow, that's Michael Jordan. But at the same point, um, I don't. I got a feeling that you, if Michael Jordan walked in here right now, let's just say he was your number one guy. I'd go, what the fuck? Are you, you, did you, you like, tell them that you were coming? We have a system for email. <laughs> How did you get in the building? We you put your name in security. Do you have your ID here? No, yeah. but you, you would you would react in a different fanboy way. I think that you were, I, I would react in a different fanboy way. I Meaning, I would just ask him so many questions. Hey, well, what do you do when this happens? And that's just a different way of saying, yeah. can you sign this damn poster? It's just a diff- you handle it different as an yeah, adult now. But I think like the need the need for like pictures and autographs and stuff. Yeah, that's like true. I kick myself now because there's a lot of times where like I'll I'll be in a situation and I don't do it, and like years later I'm like I wish I took a photo, mm. but. I just don't like subjecting myself to that. I just thought, like, one way to catch Michael Jordan off guard, because he gets asked the same question over and over again, is be just like, oh, my God, Mr. Jordan, what was it like working with Wayne Knight? Who's Wayne Knight? <laughs> He's Newman. He was in Space Jam. Oh, my God. He'd be like, who? I just think it would be so funny to catch Michael Jordan off guard with a funny question. I'm sure question. he's even been asked, what is it like to work with Bugs Bunny? Like, yeah. He's heard that joke. Yeah, yeah. Newman. I like And that. make him go through his mental Rolodex of like, when did I work with fucking Wayne Knight? Right. Oh, 1996. Thing, right. Like, I, I, was at, I was at a podcast event and Matthew Barry was there, right? Matthew Barry is like the face of fantasy football. Mm-hmm. TMR. And I watched this dude come over and go... Because there's a few ways that people handle famous people. This guy came over at the, listen, man, how annoying is it when people ask you, fan- so they do the opposite. They try to do, I'm so cool. I'm not one of those guys. And he did this whole thing and he's like, you know, it's tough because, and Matthew was like such a nice guy and he's like answering it. And then he goes, cause it's gotta be annoying, right? And then right before this guy leaves, he goes, but in all seriousness, should I play Alan Robinson? Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, like, and he left and like Matthew Barry kind of looked and was like, 
you would you would be surprised how many people lead with the how annoying are those people and then still ask me the yeah. question. I don't want to be this guy, but uh, but I'm about to be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's I normally don't do this. I think the interesting thing, too, about our society right now is it's a lot more I'm going to use you. So, like, I'm going to get this selfie so that I can put it on my social media and get all of the likes from it. Where before it's like, Mr. Ingber, Mr. Ingber, can I have your autograph? I want you to write your name in cursive on a piece of paper, and then I'm going to go and cherish that piece of paper. Right? Now it's like I'm using you so that I can get more street cred. Like, nobody was, like, walking around being like, I got, maybe they were. Maybe, like, I got a piece of paper signed by Babe Ruth. I don't know. But that's, that's social media, though. I mean, that, yeah. that, I got a I, picture. I think, it's, I think the, ex, the exchange has changed. I'll tell you this. I, I, and I, I probably did tell you this. I was leaving here a couple, of, maybe a month ago, and Cardi B was outside. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I guess I'm a Cardi B fan. It doesn't really matter. But I was like, damn, I should go get a picture. But then I was like, ah, I don't know. What if she kind of throw, you know what I'm saying? So was you're kind of like. a duffel bag filled with $10 bills? <laughs> yes. For offset, She'd just yes. gotten her yeah. birthday present. I, I, I don't know. I, I was scared to go up to her. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't want it to be a bad experience. And then I got to go home and tell my wife that, yeah. I'm the kind of person where, like, if I wasn't a podcast host and I was a random person and I wasn't working with Brian Westbrook, right? Like, we didn't know each other. I'm the kind of guy that if I went to one of those events where you sign a lot of autographs, I would just want to come up and shake your hand and go, I just want you to know, like, you fucking balled out. And, like, I appreciate Like, I would, like, I've done that with actors before. I'm like, I love your work. Like, keep killing it. And then I leave because that person goes, that was random. I'm not, I don't, I never want to ask for anything. But you never get anything that way. You never that get. That is my problem. You right? never get exactly what you really want. Self. The picture <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. You never get that thing. I Have know. you ever gone up to an actor and been like, hey, hey, just want to say your work is fine. It's good. It's fine. I would love to do that. <laughs> I'll, you I know what? I, I'll tell you this. One day. <laughs> it's good. I went I mean, to you're, a, good. you're good. I went to some performance around here and LL Cool J was there. And when I was young, LL Cool J was, was my idol. Man. Number one. And so I'm like, I was stuck. And I was like, hey, man, I just, I, I kind of, hey, I just, I just need a picture. I mean, I, I got to show my mom. And he, he was he was cool. And LL Cool J looks like a linebacker. Put it on your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my mom. <laughs> my mom would kill me if I didn't. But That's good. And he's he's huge. He's like rocked up. Really? Brian Dawkins. He looks like Brian Dawkins. I was like, man, you probably can play. Oh, and then he went down his stats. It was pretty cool, but you got to be a fanboy every night. That's definitely a good strategy, though, is you find something that you definitely know that they loved, that they weren't able to be as successful yes. in, and you compliment that. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, Dwayne, man, I saw clips of you at Miami, mm-hmm. The Rock, and I'll tell you what, man, like, those injuries didn't happen, dude. You would have been a fucking problem. You but tell like, Michael Chiklis you love his band, right? I don't know who Michael Chiklis is. Oh, he's the commish. He's who, the shield. Who, who are these people? He's a legendary oh, actor. He's is also that, a great musician. He's got a band. That's what I would do if I met James Dolan. Exactly. I mean, like, why don't Love people talk shot. like Blues Traveler? You, I get the same vibes. Where, where, where is your brain at right now? Everywhere, man. I mean, that's, <laughs> his athletes and act like he knows he so a, many. He names. has a, a memory of an elephant. I'll tell you that. You watch him, Watchmen? No. Okay. No. You should. It's great. Right. What voice? Uh, we haven't done the most classic uh, uh, impression that everyone does. Is a Christopher Walken? Oh man. Okay. A Titans rookie just got stuck with a $10,000 restaurant bill. What's the highest amount you'd actually pay in that situation? For me, I, instead of just saying fuck it and walking out. That's pretty good walking. Was it okay? Really good. 
Felt okay. Do you know who Christopher Walken is? No, no clue. He's the guy who talks like that. No clue. You don't know who Christopher Walken is? No, no, no. Two mice went into a bucket of cream. One oh, of yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know who he is now. Yeah. He's the villain he in was, Wayne's World too. Yeah, yeah, I don't okay. I know. That's, you're very funny. Uh, what are the other, just the movies? Deer Hunter. Uh, he was he's in, the dad in Wedding Crashers. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, I, know, I, know, I know who he is. He's not just 17 times host of SNL. He was, uh, he was in, what is it, the uh, something of New York. Can. The King of New York. He was, wasn't oh. he the guy in King of New York? I don't even know if there's a movie called King Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York? No, not Gangs of New York. The old school. King of New York. The old school movie. Guys don't know. But Christopher, no, you didn't hear Christopher Walken saying you're throwing your hand at us. Uh, You guys don't know. All right, so a Titans rookie just got stuck with a $10,000 restaurant bill. What's the highest amount that they put in front of you where you wouldn't just go, fuck it, I'm walking out? Now, obviously, this depends on money and stuff. The, the, The question I have to ask you is, were you ever stuck with a huge bill? Did Deuce Staley and Carell Buckhalter no. never? Mm-mm. That's good to them. Deuce and they, they, you know, they were my boys. I was with Brian Dawkins, Deuce, Brian Mitchell. Um, I mean, not Brian Dawkins, Dorsey Levins, yeah. Deuce. And, uh, they never uh, and stuck Mitch. you with any bill. Never, never, never. And we, we would go to like, we would go out there to have drinks. Or, Is it because you, know, you were a third club. round pick? No, nah, they just, they were my boys. And so we, I would have to do stuff. I would have to get chicken with a plane and stuff like that. But I never got stuck with a $2,500 bill. I, say we, we chicken were, for the plane. Yeah. What does that mean? So when we were on the road plane, we were somewhere on a road trip, the guys want chicken. They want Popeyes for the for the plane. So I would have to get all the running backs, a, you know, a bucket of chicken. So it's like six guys. Yeah. So it's not. Okay. You're not yeah. buying for 53. Nah, okay. 70, 80 bucks. You just get a bunch of chicken. And, you ever forget it one time? No. No, because they were serious about that. And if you did forget it, the veterans would fine you, literally fine you. Um, if you didn't bring it. So they never stuck me with bills like that. I've, I've heard the offensive linemen and defensive linemen, they were the worst. Right, they, they go out and eat a lot. They would go out and eat. They would go to Capitol Grill and order whatever the most expensive lobster and, and filet. They'll order that. And they'll, they'll order bottles. That's I want a bottle of Chris. I want a bottle of Louie. I want a bottle of this. And those guys are so crazy and greedy. They're taking bottles home. They're taking steaks and lobsters home. Yes. Two, three, four, five pound lobster home for the family, which is absolutely wrong. That That's dirty. My question always is, it always seems like it's happening to high drafted rookies that get big time guaranteed. If you're in the first drafts. round, you should expect that. And I and I get it. And it's, it's a little bit of the fairness of it, right? Because like here you have like a top five player comes into the league and he's making more guaranteed money than a guy that might have been in the league for eight years has ever seen. Yeah. And so it feels like a checks and balances type of thing. Is there a number that would have happened to you early on where if you got set down with a bill that you would have been legitimately angry? I think... Because I think also when you're an NFL player, like $10,000 to you is not as big as it is to other $10,000, that, that is... I would it's have been a like, substantial amount of money. Yes. Th- that would have made me at least have the conversation with the boys like, yo, bro, what y'all doing, man? We, I'm not paying ten thousand dollars. I'll pay. I'll pay half of it, but I'll pay five. I'm not paying ten, and I'm I'm all for everything. But hey, how would that have? How like in one of these situations that we hear of all the time, where it's a thirty five thousand dollar bill and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Does the even does the rookie even have the option to go? Are you guys kidding? Because I feel like it would go. Are you guys kidding? They'd be like, "Welcome to the NFL." Hey, we're just like, messing with you. Every logical complaint you'd make, they would just be yelling over you. Yeah. Well, they would be saying you got the money, and so there's other six, seven, eight, I mean, seventh round draft picks that they don't they don't treat those guys the same, and so it's it's a little bit different. But I've I've heard thirty five thousand. I've heard thirty three. I've heard forty two. I've seen the receipts for forty two, 
which sounds like a number that if someone comes to me with a $42,000 meal for my 20 friends, I'm out. Hey, and y'all figure it out. Hey, if y'all want to fight tomorrow, then we just got to fight that, tomorrow. What if I'm not Irish that. exited? Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, what would they have done? Like, if you're like, oh, I got it. I'm just going to go to the bathroom really quick. They just leave. They go in there, like, the window's open. They'll have to pay. I'll wave yeah. it. Yeah, that, that would be bad. I mean, I, I've never heard of anybody doing that. I have heard the whole chicken situation. that We had a guy named Derek Burgess on our team. Oh, my God. And, and 56. And D. Burge was just a had nasty. one year, 14 and a half sacks. Had two or three sacks against the Falcons. Right. Got him a big payday with the Raiders. Nasty, mean from and the he, south, yeah, no, he's actually from the Maryland DC area. So we, we went, went to, to high school, college in the south. Yeah, he went through, I want to say Ole Miss, Miss maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe something like that. He lives down there now, but he, um, they were like, "Yo, uh, you going? You bringing the D birds? You're bringing a chicken?" And he was like, "Yeah, okay, I ain't bringing no chicken." They was like, "No, you a rookie? You bringing a chicken first, first time?" So what D birds did? He was like, "Listen, I, I'm not that dude." So he came on the plane. He had a three piece of chicken. Three piece little box of chicken. Just for him. That's it. Sat down in the seat. Oh. And so now everybody's like, well. And this is this is Hugh Douglas. Yep. Who Corey we know Simon. has got fights with a lot of people. Yeah. Corey Simon. Yeah. Hollis Thomas, Holl- yep. who talks more shit than anybody. And every, like by the way, I went to the store. I took the time yes. to go to the store. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I just want you to know, I purposely didn't get you anything. And so now they're conversing. This is all them telling me the story a couple of years later. They're all asking themselves like, well, who's going to say something to him? Right. Nobody wanted to say nothing to, to D-Burge. No, and in fact, nobody said anything to him. Wow. They started getting chicken from other position groups because they were like, he was like, yeah, what you going to do? Hey, you going to take it? You going to make me go do it? And, they didn't do nothing. and if you want to fight me, then that's what it's going to be. Wow. And nobody, nobody wanted any of that. Shit. I guess there's two ways to do it. So this reminds me of my favorite clip, which is Delonte West telling J.J. Hickson that he better get his donuts. You remember this, right? Uh, vaguely. Oh, On the was, Cavs, right? It was like a rookie thing, like you got to get it. That's not too hard to ask. Just stop paying the Krispy Kreme and get some warm donuts. I got to drive all the way to the I don't care if you got to fly train, planes, or automobiles. <laughs> you got to have my donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I love that clip is I used to live in Nebraska and the only radio show that I could listen to that was sports was Jim Rome. And that was a drop. Better have my donuts. donuts. And I was like, I don't care I do if you got to fly. And uh-huh. you guys didn't see it, but J.J. Hickson's face just went. There were some stories where people wanted like, hey, I want you to bring me an, an Arabian, I don't know, Egyptian newspaper every day. And so guys got to go figure it out. I want you to bring me a it's like sausage. It's like yeah. I need you to walk to Brooklyn and get That's right. a go to Junior's. That's right. 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 Yeah. Right. And you know what? Like, so I was in a fraternity in college and I was one of those guys that after I got in, okay, I was getting pledged hard and all that. My first instinct was like, I'm going to pass this on. Like, I know what I had to go through. And then after a little bit, I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Right. I think there are some people that really enjoy making people go through shit. Yeah. And then there are some people that are empathetic and they can't handle it. Like it's too much for them. And I, I'm, I'm curious, I guess, which position groups are the most friendly and don't expect the most and which position groups are like, we are enforcing this and you will do whatever the fuck I say. The D linemen, the D linemen, offensive linemen, they always are like, yo, that's what we're doing. And you just be prepared. It's going to be at least 25000 bucks. That They were always like – so the running back groups for us, even when I had McCoy, he might have paid for a 
a dinner maybe. But it, it wasn't, I mean, I'm not, if, if we're going to dinner and I'm going to make you pay for the dinner, I'm eating a dinner. I'm not having, I'm going to have what I'm normally going to have. I'm not having yeah. something crazy. The D, and offensive and defensive linemen, they were like, ah, oh, I never eat uh, uh, escargot. I'm going to have that. Yeah. I never eat caviar. I'm going to try that tonight. You're well, like, really? market price? I'll take right. that. So whatever is the most expensive, I have three. And Could they're just taking that? stuff home. Did I do? Could you do when, that? When I was on an NFL team all no, the time. No, but I'm saying like, <laughs> like if, if. Uh, What's the number that you would be like, yo, I'm, I, hey, I'm out. If I was getting hazed for something in like a professional situation, like let's say at Bleacher Report, we all went out for drinks or something. And then like, hey, you're the new guy. You got it. They stuck with the bill. If it was like $300, I'd be like, all right, that's the price of doing oh, okay, business. Okay. Three you know, yeah. like, but if it was $500, I'd be like, oh. you guys are messing with me, right? Like that's a lot of money. 500 is an ass. That seems a little low. No, but at the same point in like a work environment, like... That is that is a good amount of money for like just people that are working. You know what I mean? Eh, five hundred. Because you the difference is is three hundred could be two rounds. Five hundred means you went a little above and beyond. Five hundred means we had a great time. We got a little food. We had a okay. Remember how? Remember how when it comes to like tackling somebody, you always go Bleacher Report employees. Yes. Same thing. We're going out, but it's Bleacher Report employees. Yeah. I also think it's the attitude in which they're ordering. Like, I know that if I take my brother out, I can't tell him that I'm paying for the meal until afterwards. Yeah. Because if I tell him beforehand... He's going to get ridiculous. He's going to get ridiculous. That's, and that would make me mad. But if I told you, hey, guys, I'd like to treat you tonight, and we all ordered a normal meal, if it's expensive, it's expensive. And by the way, I have no no qualms about, like, buying... Like, I, you know, if I take my wife and her parents out to a dinner, or my, my wife and my parents out to a dinner, I have no problem spending yes. more than $300 because I've signed up for that. I'm saying getting stuck with a bill. If we're know? getting... If we're having a great time... I'm like, a great time? We're having just a fun time? It depends how many people are there. If it's three people and it's $500, it's a lot different than if it's six people. Yeah, that's true. We're going to have a great time. Let's keep the party going. Hey, man, you know I'll spend $500 for a good time. Quickly. Uh, We have a voice? I would like you to do a country western a country western radio show morning disc jockey. Wow. Wow. Welcome to WKRP Tennessee. If someone were to dress as you for Halloween, what should they wear and what are the catchphrases that they should say all night? I love it. That was perfect. Do me first, Ingber. Yeah, if someone was to dress as Lefko? Yeah. So it would definitely you not... You already know the catchphrases. <laughs> That's awesome. And damn. Damn. <laughs> damn. Um, but no, but, uh, so they, you'd be wearing kind of a... a you, I'd go to Woody, our amazing hair and makeup person here at... Uh, at, at Bleacher Report to get like the perfect sweater that's like, because it's not the way you dress, but it's the way you're known as dressing, right. which is like that would be the Lefko costume. Because yeah, I wear like black t-shirts, but when I'm on camera, I'm usually wearing, I, I think we can get rid of the phrase Cosby sweater and just call them Lefko sweaters. Lefko sweater, Right, yeah. it's a lot Let's more friendly to the ear, yeah. Uh, pretty cool kicks. Okay. You gotta have cool kicks in order yep. to have a Lefko thing. I might have the headphones on, you know, just get the cans mm, walking around. Nice. And then uh, what I would also do is I would go up to people that were working and I would test out my takes on them. Because I was about to do them on a podcast. That's what he does. Westbrook, when you're not here, I just go downstairs <laughs> and I go, what do you guys think about paying Social Security? Kind of uh-huh. seems unnecessary, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I just try weird take. Or like you'll finish like a two-hour podcast and then like I'll just be walking past you and you're talking to like one of the sales guys about like the Viking secondary. I'm like, "How do? what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Take five seconds off. Yeah. He loves well, it. All uh, My ability, I, what is the word called that um, when you're not getting work done? Uh, like procrastination? 
if I was a superhero, I'd be procrastination man. And my super ha- superhero power is I just walk up to people and I can make you procrastinate yes. for like 35 minutes. Yes. <laughs> All right, now dress. Now what's the Westbrook costume? Um, it's like a, a cool t-shirt where I'd have to like wonder where it's from. Like, did you buy that vintage or like, is that like, is that a business? Like, you know, it's like something cool like that. And then it's a, it's a I straight it was a, brim a, hat. a Washington Nationals hat. The fact that you're wearing a Yankees hat's interesting. Yeah. It just yeah. happened. It was one of those things that happened. So it's a hat that matches the t-shirt, Yankees which would look cool. more famous than a Yankee can. Yeah. Jay-Z. Just um, happened. Yeah. You've got some really cool tattoos showing from your t-shirt too. I do. So I'd want to, I'd want to like, kind of like. You should see the rest of them. They're even better. I, sure. No, I, How you many got do you the, have? Uh, that was it. These these are. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the goatee and the mustache. That's uh-huh. pretty necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is a Westbrook catchphrase? Right. I mean, obviously the Rocket Man. If you just walk around saying the Rocket Man, but but don't just wear an Eagles the jersey. Please just don't wear a thirty six. You know, like come on, we can do better than that. Like okay. you should be vet- dressing as Investor Westbrook. Yes. I think that's like a much more Ooh. delicate, balanced, complex. Shake your hands, hey, it's the Rocket Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, I'm trying to think where the other. I'm Tim Smith. Hey. I'm the Rocket Man. In well, fact, if you guys want to get into our mentions on the Left Coast Show and let us know what are some catchphrases that you've noticed that Westbrook says a lot. Dog on. I don't say I don't say catchphrases. You say dog on a lot. I know. Instead of like, goddamn, you're like, yeah. hey, this well, guy so ran for a lot of doggone yards. Yeah, yeah, do I, I do, does he? I do, use, do he also goes. Now hold on. I don't know. If he's, uh, <laughs> I got to pay more attention. Dawkins got me saying dog on. Yeah, oh, is that because he doesn't cuss, and right. he hates when people cuss around him. So All right. I'm so Ingber like, is beard. Mustache, goatee, yes. all of it. This is a this is not an Ingber shirt, but it's a similar. I believe that you're more of a blue and white wearer. Oh my god, yes. yes. He had blue one earlier. He's gonna be wearing blue and white Adidas. Because he got a pop. Are they blue. on right now? <laughs> yes, they are. Wow. Blue and white wow, Adidas. I have heard monologues about those shoes and how I just want 12 of these and I'll wear them the rest of my life. They're great. So those shoes are being worn. Uh, and then just because I've traveled with him. You have to have a certain turquoise carry-on. <laughs> really? It's like when I travel with Ingra, the first thing I see is I'm walking through the airport, I go, there's that turquoise there bag. Um, and then the catchphrases. One might be, well, actually, um, I have to get better. Do you, do you have catchphrases for yourself? No, I asked uh, our friend Evan Matthews downstairs yes. who works on Gridiron Heights. I said, because it's hard to know about yourself what your thing is. And yeah, he said, yeah. hey, I was like, if you were going to dress as me for Halloween, what would you do? And he said, I would just have some like, pretty committed contrarian vague takes yeah <laughs> just like if someone starts talking you would just like come in oh i, I like, well I, actually the opposite and here i'm gonna defend it for 40 seconds for no if reason if i was ingber i'd be like who here loves olives go kill yourself <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's definitely a catchphrase um and then um i would just ask the the cheese thanos question to everybody mm-hmm uh, I think that's a good one is you ask like general questions where t- people don't think they can be wrong. And then you tell them like there is a correct. That he has a strong, strong view. on. That's it. what, what is that phrase that you say? What's that? It's, it's, there's, there's no, there's no wrong answer, but there is a right answer. Oh, uh, I feel like that's what, that's one of your phrases. That's distilled down. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to. Now my, my brain's going through a catalog of things I've said. Well, us three will now be talking to each other and just be listening and yeah. be like, that's a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Catalog. Said it twice. Okay. That's why I put that question in the jar, just to mess with the flow in the room. Uh, next uh, voice for Westbrook. Um, All my voices are literally the exact same. Can we get a Kermit the Frog? Kermit, uh. Or, yeah, no, do Kermit the Frog. What does Kermit the Frog sound like? This is Kermit the Frog. All right. Ooh. All right. Um. <laughs> that was Ingber, by the way. It was not Westbrook trying it out. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> What's the lady that he was always talking to? What's her name? Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. Piggy. Uh, uh, 
Hey, can you get healthy at some point this year? Just get healthy. Hey, hey. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> uh, it's more of a honk. Uh, uh, hey, Piggy. What? Is that it? <laughs> is that Kermit? I don't know. I don't know what the, what that was. Uh, I don't know what this came out. Uh, hey, that was Pee Wee Do Herman, this. Can you do this? No, I can't. I Try it. Just make that noise. Uh, uh, okay. A little bit more like that. Uh, nope. Uh, uh, Higher pitched. Uh, yeah. That's like a Scooby. That was a Scooby. Uh, okay. So uh, Ingmar, do it one more time for him. Mm, this is Kermit the Frog. This is Kermit the Frog. All right. This is Kermit the Frog. You like yeah. that? Ooh, it's great. Little, it's little vibrato. You guys are stupid. <laughs> uh, all right, Piggy. Um, when was the last time you surprised yourself by <clears throat> crying or becoming very overwhelmed by emotion? Who, who the hell? That was I good. Know, I don't know who that, that was. It sounded like Baby Kermit. It kind of went toward Miss Piggy toward the end, which Maybe, is cool. Baby, baby. I am Kermit the Frog. I am That's Kermit good. the Frog. All right, so when's the last time you surprisingly got emotional? Yes, or Westbrook? got overwhelmed with emotion. Um, Drew Brees? Drew Brees, that caught me off guard. Like, What about, that you was know a year what, ago, though. You know what gets me emotional? Have you guys ever watched this uh, Ayana Van Zant show? What's it called? On, it's, on, uh, it's on the Oprah Network. It's, I think it's called Ayana Van Zant. So she's trying to fix my life. Oh, and she like, she like. Oh, my she, gosh. Okay, so this is a woman that she goes and people are like, whatever, and she gives them no sympathy. No sympathy. She is like the Gordon Ramsay. Susie Orman. Yeah. yeah. So she gets in there and they'll be like, I'm lazy. She goes, no, you're a loser. Oh, and, damn. But it's like until you fix it. And then by the end, they're yeah, like completely. They fix it, yeah. Me and my wife watched like a marathon of that in the bed. And so we're laying there. My wife is kind of laying on my on my chest. And I was next time I'm like, what the hell is that on my damn face? Damn, tears are coming down. It's, but you see a transformation of a whole family, a family that hated each other. I love that in the Westbrook beginning. was confused by tears. Yeah, I, I was what like, is this on my face? What is this, like, what is this no, moisture? That's what an alien that's like taken on who, human form doesn't understand. When you don't expect to be crying because you're watching a damn TV show about people that you don't even know, then you're like, what the hell just happened? Did I, I, am I crying right now? I'll give mine. I'm watching, we're going through wedding photographers and then wedding videos, mm. and I'm watching a wedding video. Of someone else. And Enam looks at me and she goes, are you fucking crying? <laughs> like, we got to hire this videographer. Yeah, 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 that's the one. And it was just like the way it was done. A good wedding video music, can get you. There's, there's a lot of ways how like the chain smokers have figured out the equation of like the certain amount of chorus and, the, and it, they've, they've deduced it. You can turn music and moments and video into something that if it crescendos the right point. And so it literally hit me and I looked at her and I was like, we have to hire these videographers. No, you know what gets you about weddings is when men and women are saying their vows to each other. And if a woman just decides to sing and you know, whatever, and a man is like, you changed my life. And that, that gets me too. I, I will say this too, that, um, like I learned, so I, as you watch wedding videos, as someone that's works in video, I start seeing the different elements. And so I started to take notes and she's like, what are you doing? I go, well, these three use the speeches of the grooms, the, the men of the men of honor and the bridesmaids. This one was more documentary style and it's told through our voice. And it's funny because you realize like, I don't want that. And like, cause a lot of people, they watch a wedding video and they're like, oh, does it move me? And I'm like, how are you building this? Like, I, I couldn't even look at it. And one of them hit me in a way. And I was like, I was like, they're not even cool. <laughs> they, did a, they did a great job. All right. What about you? When's the last time you cried? I think being a young dad, you know, you get hit by different things. You yeah. go, Oh my God. First time she took steps. First time she said my name the other day, she said her full name for the first time. 
first, middle, last, and I'd never heard those three words come out of her mouth in sequence, and it really just hit me, because it reminded me, because we named her, like, the day she was born. We didn't, like, have it in our right. back pocket for five months, you know? Like, we, 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 we had some names that we really liked, but the day she was born, we were like, this name, then this name, then this name. And then she said those three words looking at me, and it, like, reminded, like, everything came flooding back. Uh, I, got, I got very emotional. How right? does she react when you cry? Oh, I mean, this wasn't me like bent over sobbing. I just like I got very smiley. I felt the, the little welling up. I felt that that tightening like, of the I heart. I get emotional thinking about a kid that doesn't even exist telling me it's okay. Mm. It's you okay. know what I mean? Like if I'm crying and they're like it's okay, like I would be like, oh no, I'm dead. <laughs> what, what, I'm what, what really happens everything. when you cry instead of your kids saying that's okay because those are the great kids. My kids smacking in the face. Here, take that, Daddy. Don't cry. They're just smacking you. That's that's how my kids do. There is a video that he had on his Instagram story, Brian did, of like him, his son feeding his daughter, and <laughs> yeah. it's so cute. And then after a while, he just takes the bowl, and I feel like he's making eye contact with the camera, and he just dumps the bowl. <laughs> he just dumps it. He's so, so bad. So, I love yeah. it. All right, last one. Let's do it. What's my what voice? voice you got? Dracula. The voice that I was going to give to him is, I think, my, one of my favorites that Brian's done is the seducing Spanish voice. <laughs> <laughs> like the Antonio Banderas. Antonio. Because it starts that way, and then it ends like Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. Sure. Yes. That's exactly what my wife says, too. What thing did you think was going to be cool, popular, relevant forever? Now I'm going into that. That just completely disappeared from society. I got one. Okay, so what did you think was going to be cool that you would have... And I call this my brother, Jason. I'll never forget. This, he, this is his... It was like his 14th-year-old birthday, and he could either get a mini-disc player or an iPod. Technology. And he said, I think mini-disc is going to stick around <laughs> that's later. That's the one. And it did not. So that's my brother's. I'll think of mine, but you had one right away. The, the hoverboard? Those little hoverboards that everybody wanted? Oh, yeah. yeah. Flamed out after Christmas? Were you an investor? Was that a venture capitalist no, move? I, I, if you would have got there early, you would have made a bunch of money. The, I, and then the other one, I didn't. Oh, wait, you one. thought it was going to be big? No, I, 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 didn't, I didn't like the idea because I thought people were going to get hurt and sue the company. Well, it's funny because Segway is one of like the all-time venture capitalist misses. Mm -hmm. That like Bill Gates, like all of these people were like, this is the future. Yeah. And it completely flamed out. Like Segway is one of the most famous ones. That's what right. was those, your other those, one though? Those hoverboards. And then there was this investment that I was actually going to do. It was those light-up shoes. That light up when you walk because I'm like, oh, maybe little kids will love this. It Parents reminds will me love of it. LA lights when yeah, I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, 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 no. Flamed out. Flamed out real quick. Betting on cool is a really scary proposition. Too cool. Too Especially hard. with clothing. Too hard to do. Like, no clothing can last forever. No. Right? Things just change. Except for the dungaree. The dungaree. Jeans. jeans will be there forever. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, a tailored suit will be there forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mine were two more like kind of conceptual as opposed to like an actual item, but just the idea that like flipping channels is just like a thing that's not really done that much anymore. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, you flip channels and right. you found a movie. Right. Like the idea we called it a channel changer. <laughs> right. The idea of just like that not being a thing that now I go onto my phone and I can just see all the movies in front of me and I just click, I just pick one and I start watching it. Like that's just when God. you're when you're 13 flipping channels, you assume right. that that's the way people will consume TV forever. Yeah. It's just not. That's I thought that was surprising. One. And the other one was. Um, when you get a call from someone out of the blue, used to be a nice surprise, and now it's like a terrifying, oh, my God, what's wrong? The phone call. So, like, um, who's the comedian uh, that talks about company? The 
the musical Italian company? comedian. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, Sebastian Maniscalco. Sebastian Maniscalco has a bit about how great it was when you were younger when company would come over that your parents would literally have food just in case we had company. Yeah. And now if somebody comes over, it's like everybody hide. Yeah. <laughs> phone calls are kind of becoming that. Where if I get a phone call, I go, I'll leave a message and see if it's, I'll let them leave a message to see if it's serious. Right. And if I'm not it, talking about 100 years ago. I'm talking about like, Six years ago, yeah. if I got a phone call and I looked down my phone, oh, I haven't seen this person in a few years. Hey, how's it going? Now, if I see someone's phone number, I'm like, oh, God, someone's dead. Oh, God, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I owe them money. <laughs> like, what is If they the, what? really wanted something, they, you know, if it wasn't significant or important, they would have just texted me. Yeah. They wouldn't bother have called. Don't call unless you want something important. I have one that I can't say uh, because of business re- reasons. I'll say it to you guys off here. Uh, another one that I have, though, is uh, the show Vinyl. I thought the show Vinyl was going to be big. I mean, A-listers. It was not. Um, Jenko jeans, I definitely thought were going to be cool. Wearing shirts with brand, like Abercrombie, Mm. like Puka Shell necklaces. I was like, why would this ever leave? Abercrombie was hot for a long time. A very long time. Errol Postel, remember that? How about this? They were hot for a long time. I thought, when I have kids, how am I going to handle them wanting to go to the mall? Mm. And like... Nobody goes to the fucking mall. I thought that if you would have told me growing up, listen, I'm going to give you ownership of 10 blockbusters. I'm in. What a, what a solid business. And now, like, I never thought Netflix was going to be a thing. You know, Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix. Yep. It's one of those legendary investor moments. What Amazing. But it, it's the notion of getting DVDs in the mail. What are you fucking, what are you bored? Right. It's funny in retrospect to make that argument because obviously Netflix is what it is. But back then it was reasonable that Blockbuster would buy Netflix because Netflix wasn't what it has become. So apparently Shaq's biggest miss is uh, apparently Starbucks came to him. Oh, wow. And said, we want you to be the face of Starbucks in LA. And he said this before publicly. And I believe his quote was, black people don't drink coffee. Mm. And then they went to Magic Johnson. Mm. Wow. And he's like, owns like 80 Starbucks. Mm. You know who to the biggest? Shaq is like one of the best businessmen ever. Like he's, he's got so many, but that's his big miss. Two of the biggest investors of Outback Steakhouse. Do you know this one? Doug Flutie and John Madden. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? Early, early investors. The, the thing is interesting too is like, I like I look at a lot of businesses that even ten years ago were great, and the the internet's changed it so much. Where when I was growing up, there were like Dick Sporting Goods popping up everywhere, like mm-hmm. superstores. And, and now, and now I look at them and I'm like, well, that's a liability. That's that's a big issue. Like I don't think they need that space. So it's like even the things that we think are hits right now. I'm curious, like. I would expect Netflix to last, but there are probably some really big online retailers or websites. Like, think about all the big sports websites. Like, 10 years ago, it did spins the future. And now it, like, doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Cable you TV. make predictions? Oh, cable TV. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody was on cable. Now everyone's like, hey, I'm cutting the card. I don't want to be on it anymore. I mean, you would kill for cable TV back in the day. Oh, yeah. Now you I can get more than four channels. Yeah, I'm stealing from my neighbor. I'm stealing from my friend. Whatever. How about this? Is there anything right now that you think is big that you think we would, if we redid this podcast 15 years from now, that you would predict the demise of? Uh, I don't know exactly what form it's going to take, but I think as a society, we're going to make a real crusade against misinformation. 
right? That like, it used to be that everyone just had an encyclopedia with all the correct information in it, right? right? It was well-researched. It took years and years of many people's research, meticulous research, and you'd have to buy it. And then the internet came along and it was like, everyone's information is valid. And it was like, the sum total of human knowledge all goes onto this internet that you can find for free. So some of it's real, some of it's not, some of it's- Let's deduce it down to one thing, like Wikipedia. Do you think Wikipedia will be around in 10 years? I do, because Wikipedia is not really the the big part of the problem that I'm talking about. I'm talking about people using uh, various unverified sources. Mm -hmm. Like, Wikipedia is actually a very well-sourced document. Because people can do uh, checks and balances and stuff. Yeah, and, like, if you put bullshit in there, if someone puts in, like, Adam Lefko is 150 years old, someone will come around and change that back very quickly. It happens very, very quickly. Like, Wikipedia is very, very much, you know, they're, they're really trying to get the truth out there, yeah. you know? I'm saying, like, people getting their information from Twitter or, ne- you know, nefarious websites or bots or things that are very much unverified. Do you believe any of the major social media platforms that are seen as staples, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, like... Mebo, Friendster. <laughs> do you think any of them aren't going to survive, if you had to guess? Or do you think they all would? Who would have thought MySpace at the time... Was it going to be here? Yeah, one or two of them is going to die off yeah, for of sure. Which one? Or they're going to get purchased by another. Like Instagram, who knows where that would be if it wasn't owned by Facebook right, right now? We have right. no idea. Right. Facebook definitely will be here. There's going to be a big acquisition in the next five years where like Amazon just acquires Twitch or something and then Twitch becomes the number one way we watch <laughs> video or something. You know what I mean? Like something like that will happen. Yeah. I think that eventually we're not going to have TV sets anymore. Yeah. It's where it's going to be some form of projection or people, this generation is going to go, I don't need it. I have a computer and I don't need it. Yeah. If you have your phone and you lean your phone and you can project it on the wall and it's bigger than the TV you were going to have. And it's just one less thing you need to have and buy in your apartment. But you know why that's never going to happen? Because people aren't going to want to not be able to use their phone while watching. You need to be able to text. So it's a second box. Sure. Yeah. All right. Anything you hear here, venture capitalist wise that you think you'd like to take advantage of? No. Okay. Not that I want to share here for business reasons. (laughs) Nice. All right. uh, That is it. We are going to be back with Warren Sharp. I enjoy this as always. For David Ingber. If you're on the fence about reaching out to someone, just reach out. Let them know you care. Nice. For Brian Westbrook. (laughs) Where where did hackers come from? Instead of saying a catchphrase, he gives a... a, This dude is amazing. He's absolutely amazing. The Rocket Man. Hey, you know, I want to mention this. Thank you. I want to thank all the people for... Going on to my website, bwestbrook.com. We've been getting flooded with nice. with people going to the website, nice. donating to the Brian Westbrook Foundation. We appreciate it. The kids appreciate it. Um, thank you and so much. And that goes with horses. Horses. We're teaching our kids. We're empowering our youth. That's what it's all about. And it's been amazing. bwestbrook.com. That's right. My website is the one you're currently on. Adam Lefko, the L-E-F-K-O-E man. Uh, a few more weeks until the playoffs. When it gets, in the words of David Ingber, here's a catchphrase. Spicy. It gets pretty spicy, spicy in January. Pretty spicy in January. Spicy. All right, always. See you guys later. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>